Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Here we go. Talk Recorded live. Hey, hey, it's Mike, and it's the Holy Legend of Stupid Owning vs. Belief, and I have uh, uh, our sister, uh, Derek, and Sarah from uh, Sound of the Trumpet Ministries, uh, once again, soundtrumpet.com, and also the YouTube channel, Sound of the Trumpet Ministries, plural, not singular. You don't want to go Sound of the Trumpet Ministry, and that will take you to the wrong place, though. Anyways, uh, folks, we're look, I'm looking forward to this, uh, just to be around some brothers and sisters of Christ. You know, it's interesting, I was camping uh, at the KOA and at the site, and, and he's a friend of mine, and uh, and they're, they're part of the, um, the, oh, the first apostolic heretical church <laughs> I hate to say that <laughs> you know it, mm-hmm. there's there's no father and all that kind of stuff anyways they pretty much deny everything that Jesus says throughout the whole New Testament but anyways uh, it was interesting uh, uh, the spirit there's two things I like to talk about one thing is just, you know I tried once again to try to have a conversation which with people who claim to be uh, brothers and sisters in Christ uh, about God, and once again, nobody wanted to go there. Nobody was interested in going there. And I mean, and I, I mean, I'm not telling myself too. I mean, I, my prayer. I mean, I prayed, but I did the, you know, the the power prayer in the morning and in the evening. The <laughs> so exhausted, it's like God, please forgive me. Uh, in the middle of prayer, even my son's falling asleep. You know what I mean? So, and it's not even within the first, you know, 10, 10 seconds of it. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, what's going on? You know, I mean, it's like this world, I don't know what to say, folks, except that I'm exhausted from it all. I'm exhausted from the world, and I'm so happy to be with some brothers and sisters. I had a chance earlier uh, to talk to a couple of brothers, um, and talk about God and what's going on in the spiritual warfare, and I'm so happy to, to do this with uh, you, Derek, and you, Sarah. So thank you for joining me this evening. I'm looking forward to this. The other thing is, this world, uh, it just seems like this world is just not interested in God, period. At this point, it's just like 90, I don't know what the number is. Maybe I'm so sheltered. God has sheltered me so much to protect me that I from the world that I have a skewed perspective of how many people are really interested in God. Mm -hmm. But it's like every time I try to interact with somebody about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, um, they're interested in their religion, but they're not interested in God, if that makes any sense. 
they were Absolutely. interested in. Yeah. So. Yeah. So and and anyways, uh, looking forward to this. And uh, what what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, tonight we're going to talk about the the Book of Life because I think that. Um, you know, like you were just explaining how when you speak to people about Jesus and no one cares, even if they claim to be church people, it's because of the one thing is just how Adam and Eve had taken um, their eyes away from God and the tree of life is the same thing we're doing today as Christians, not keeping our eyes focused on the book of life. So we're going to talk a lot about this tonight because... I think that when we get down to the end-all, be-all on what's most important, it's going to be if our names are written in this book. And, I mean, you know, there might have been so many things that we might have been able to get by with in our lives. We might have been the smoothest people in the world as far as oratory or as far as, you know, vocabulary or charisma, whatever it is that we thought that we did our best to get over on. But you see, everything is going to be peeled back. Everything is going to be exposed in this time before our King of Kings. And then people are going to truly understand that there's nothing more important than knowing Jesus and having your name written in that book of life. So that's what we're going to discuss tonight because can you think of anything more terrifying than not knowing I mean, you know, then then finding out that you're not there when you believed you were the whole time. So what you went through and, you know, we ought to embrace and get used to because this is the walk of a Christian. And many days we are going to be alone or with brethren of like precious faith. So this is just a sign of the things to come, and this is what we're going to talk about tonight. Roger that. And, uh, oh, Okay. Brother, brother Wayne Morin is calling right in the middle of the show. Anyways, <laughs> let's get this going. Now. I'm going to pray, so I'll start. Dear Heavenly Father, Almighty God. Yes, Lord. Oh, Lord God, there literally is no other hope outside of you. There's no other hope outside of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your only begotten. Thank you that he did come from the flesh. He did pay for our sins, and he's rose from the dead, and he's with you, God. Thank you that there's an answer to this wicked place. And this place truly is wicked, God. And I don't want to be a witch, and I don't want to be part of this uh, mystery Babylon that this whole world is about. God, everything about this place is an entertaining lie to entrap us, and snare us, and to keep us from knowing you and even having a relationship with you. God, mm. you know, you talk about this spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's so true. My experience this week has really confirmed that about me. God, I need your help. I need your your protection. I know that my brothers and sisters in Christ need the same thing. We need a, we need a serious wake-up call from you, God. We need, We really need you. We need you to to guide us through this time because th- this is a uh, it's a madhouse, God. It's a it's a demonic madhouse that we're living in, and we don't have any hope outside of you, Lord. Lord God, please, uh, you know, bless us with a a real personal relationship with you. 
and uh, take away all the, the, the uh, I don't know what to say to take away, so God just help us. <laughs> take away the world's influence from us. That's what I'm trying to say. Because the world is just, it's just constantly one lie after another, God. You know, maybe get, I don't know, I, I just could go on and on, but I'm going to let this to be my brother's time. And I want to say thank you for uh, uh, just for blessing me with the opportunity to be hanging out this evening with with my brother Derek and my sister Sarah. And God bless them mightily in their work and their street ministry and their passion and conviction. God bring great rewards and successes as far as getting to your children and bringing them back into the fold. Let it be a, uh, uh, something that blesses you, that honors you, and um, that uh, pleases you, God. All praise and glory go to you, God. You're an amazing God, and I'm so happy that you didn't give up on me, and you still haven't given up on me. All praise and glory go to you. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I also pray before you, Lord, thanking you once again for another day not promised to us. Lord, with the forgiving us, Lord, of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings. And these youthful lusts, Lord, that the Lord is telling us to flee from, that we should stay away from. So we just pray, Lord, that you give us more of you and less of ourselves that we may be able to walk this thing out, that we might be able to do all that you say, that we may be able to go forward proclaiming the gospel that others might get saved. So, Lord, I'm praying for a strong presence of the Holy Ghost. I'm praying, Lord God, that you speak. I'm praying that no flesh be glorified, Lord, that we will have any, no preconceived thoughts, Lord, or, or words that we think should come from you, Lord. We want to hear from you direct tonight. Because, you know, your people has lost sight of what this whole thing is about. Your people have somehow been fed the doctrine of the broad gate. And what we got to understand is, Lord, that you hold your word above your name, and that which you say is that which you mean. So, Lord, I pray that this does not fall on deaf ears. I pray that your anointing be upon us this evening. I pray that this goes as far as it can go, Lord, to those who are lost, to those who have no hope, to those who are damned, Lord, to those who have might have considered Christ but not understand where to go. So, Lord, I pray for a great plainness of speech. I pray for your wisdom, that it breaks through the barriers of lies and deception. And I pray, Lord, that your people hear and not just listen, that they might do what you call us to do. So, Lord, in Jesus' name, I bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every demonic spirit out of hell, Lord, every antichrist spirit. I pray that you bind them in this very hour, Lord, that they have no influence over this show or over my brothers and sisters or over those who are sick and shut in, Lord. I pray that you just open up your heavens and pour out a blessing that your people might decide to take you serious. For you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords, and you are faithful, just, and true in these times that tried men's souls, and you are worthy of all praises. We pray and we ask, Lord, that these things all be done for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you. All right, brother, take it away. All right, sounds feed us, good. Feed us, feed us uh, some tonight. meat. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the Lord will be feeding. He's the chef, so I might just be oh, the little yeah. waiter walking around. <laughs> but, but, you know, um, yeah, so as we talked about, we're going to be speaking of the book of life because, you know, it just always, it never ceases to amaze me that when you're in ministry, you know, how much letdown and disappointment you suffer. But, you know, it's always meant to sober you up so that way you can put the focus on Jesus and do the things that he tells you to do. But one thing we do know, and if, you know, like what you talked about today really touched me because we've got to understand that this whole thing in fellowship, this whole thing in friends, this whole thing in family, this whole thing, as far as your status and your place in this world is only meant to do one thing, and that is to frustrate you, to upset you, so that you and Jesus may be together, that you may lose hope in all relationships outside of him, that we can just rely on him and do the things that he tells us to do. That's all this is about. This is about losing hope in everything except Christ, that we may trust him and he may live in us. And I'm finding that to be true more and more. I mean, just to give you an example of this week, man, how it's been, the Lord's been giving me dreams and giving me, you know, um, thoughts and things about what's coming in the end and how not focused the people of God are and how much they don't care about it, how much, no matter how much we preach the gospel, we stay still bound to the world still expecting the rewards of the world and still looking forward to what we can have here. As I said, there's nothing wrong with being married. There's nothing wrong with kids. There's nothing wrong with the Lord providing for you and all of your needs. But, you know, one thing I want to pray for before we get going, I want the Lord to send us men. I'm talking about real men of God. I'm talking about men that can actually benefit in this ministry. I'm talking warriors. I'm talking individuals that you, brother, you know, and, and, and me and, you know, everyone that's in the ministry and others that we can all have more men around. I mean, I'm, because I, I can just tell that God is ready to move, but he's finding his laborers few. He's finding many of us falling by the wayside, jumping into stony places. We're here. We're there. We're all over the place but we're not where we need to be in terms of Christ. And I think the only conclusion we can come to with that is we have chosen the life, the bios, the physical life in this world over the Zoe life, which is eternal life, which is if your name is not written in that book of life, you won't make it. And and I think that I, me personally, I can't wait. And Lord, forgive me. I don't want to speak out of turn because I know that God's grace wants to give us more time to win souls into the kingdom. But you know something? I'm, I'm just about done with this world. I'm just about done with everything in it. I want the Lord to honestly tear stuff down in our lives so that we can get refocused on what's important. Some of us are going to have to suffer real heartbreak. Some of us are going to have to lose everything. Some of us are going to have to run for our lives before we can understand where we are and what this whole thing is about. 
And you know something, as cruel as it may sound, I'm all for that. Why? Because if the Christian's perspective is dead and it's not right and it's not pursuing Christ and it is a self-loving spirit and it has no place with the kingdom of God, it has no place in the armies of God. If we love this world more than we love Jesus, we are going to be lost and damned forever. And I don't understand how people cannot just get that through their heads, get that through their minds. There is no true life except the eternal life that God wants to give us. Now, I know you guys may think, man, he's really upset. But, you know, it's not a thing of upset. It's, it's really saddening. It's really frustrating. It's really disappointing. When you love your brother, when you love your neighbor, when you go and you do all the things that God is calling you to do, but it's falling on deaf ears. Maybe this is a big part of our persecution. Maybe this is meant for us to go through so that way we can just stop relying on people and start looking to the one true God. You know, and I said all that to say this, that when God said from the beginning, how he wanted man to be fruitful and multiply and to replenish the earth. Though we might be fallen, though many of us have been born again, it is always about winning souls. It's always about going after and multiplying and building more. So I just pray, you know, Lord, wake your people up out of a coma. Wake them up out of their apathetic slumbers that they take this life to be a joke, and then they will even mention worldly things to try and defend their arguments against what God has said, that he's looking for those who love him and not the world. So let's get started. I want to go to Revelation 20. If anyone wants to add anything, they can. But, you know, I'm really fired up on the inside because of this, because it's just one of those things where – it is hard to get people to do what God says to do. We've got to learn to, you know, have our feelings sanctified and walk with him. We can't rely on people. You know, and I don't care, you know, who gets offended by this. The bottom line is you can't rely on people. The only one that you can rely on and that you can call to that will never forget the things that you do for him is the true and living God. And praise the Lord for him. Praise the Lord Praise his holy name that that people get to really see that it's Christ overall that's been holding you up. And I remember that poem, um, Footprints in the Sand, where it talked about that when we would go through trials and tribulations and all these things, and the man started seeing there was only one set of footprints. And he wondered why the Lord had left him, why through all these trials and tribulations, it seemed like the Lord was never there. But what the Lord wanted that man to know is, I was carrying you. The only set of footprints that exist are mine, okay? You can't handle this. And it's time that we recognize within ourselves as believers, we can't handle this. Only Jesus Christ can, you know? So uh, let's get started in Revelation 20. I want to look at verse 1, and he says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut up and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. So what we see here is this is about Jesus, you know, um, his millennial reign, 
When he comes back, he's going to bind the devil, and we're going to know for a thousand years what it is to be on earth with Christ, where it says he's going to rule with a rod of iron, meaning he's going to be strict. You know, he's not going to play games. His kingdom will be righteous as he shows man how to walk the way that he always intended for him to in this life. So it says in verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So as you can see here, if we were to go back to the beginning of verse 4, it talks about the judgment that came to him, and John is saying that he's seeing the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. That word for witness is, you know, martyr, marturio, meaning that, you know, a lot of people that were faithful unto the end will be those that will make it with Christ. But what's so interesting about this is, is that those people that have given themselves over to Jesus, you know, they didn't look forward to any other thing other than serving him, other than going after the things that he wanted. And I personally like this scripture, not because I want to see people, uh, what's the word I want to use? I want to see people in distress. No, but this gives us a clear picture of how great our love for Christ has to be. He's talking about those who were beheaded for Jesus Christ. And then he says, and for the, and for the word of God, and which, was, um, oh, and which had not worshipped the beast, which is the Antichrist, neither his image, neither had received a mark. So as you can see, many of these things, it's not just about a mark. You see here that, you know, for some people are not going to hold fast to the word of God. They're going to teach their own doctrine and go their own way. Many will worship the beast, or if they don't worship the beast, they're going to worship the beast image, meaning defiling the temple or, or worshiping that image that was there, you know, that they, they commanded men to or received a mark. So it's not just a mark on their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So those who will be in the millennial reign with Christ will be those who were slain for Jesus Christ, for those who stood for him and wanted to, I mean, and never denied him before people. Look at verse 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So as you can see, those who were beheaded for Christ, those people will be with him in the millennial reign. And after the thousand years, the rest will come up, okay, that are of Christ. All right, and that's the first resurrection. And he says, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such a second death have no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So that's a blessing to be able to walk with Christ if after all is said and done. Verse 7, And when a thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, and number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So as you can see, this is going to be a point where the nations of the world are going to go against Israel. All right, it talks about Gog and Magog. I could do a whole teaching on that or who I believe they are in the Bible. But anyways, he says, and they went up 
on the breath, like on the width of the earth, and compassed the camp of the saints about. And the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So what you see is there's going to be a, a, point, a time appointed where the people of God that remain alive, and then you're going to have all these nations, the whole world after uh, Israel, God's going to send a fire from heaven to come down and devour them. And, you know, that's going to be also symbolic for the way we're going to live. We're not going to be able to look to the front or back of us or side to side. The only thing we are going to be able to do is look up and for our redemption is of Christ. So, you know, there will be no pleasant times for the believer until God sets this whole thing right. But as Christians, as fallen men, as church people, you know, in many cases, we just look for our comfort so much here that we just lose sight of the goal. So he says in verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So you see, once all is said and done, and Jesus is there to, to judge on the great white throne, everyone's going to be judged according to their works, according to how they've lived, according to how, you know, they've treated others. And, you know, it's just one of those situations where this is the only thing that's going to matter. And it says that the, the dead and the small and great stand before God. So, you know, for all those atheists out there and people that don't believe in eternal life, they don't believe otherwise, they better understand that even death is not enough to stop you from God's judgment, that we will all see his face, we will see him as he is, as King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, I just want to tell them that, guys, you know, I know what you were taught in school, but is it possible, and I'm only saying this because I know it's true, but is it possible that you could have been deceived all your life into believing something that was not true? Is it possible that this Jesus just might be real and his eternal judgment? Why would you ever want to wait to see if this is true? Think about it. Why does the government hate Jesus so much? Why do all these people speak negative of him? Man, there's got to be something important to him. But you've got to wake up and recognize this. You've got to see. Because God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He doesn't want any man to perish. But I'm just saying, just think about that. Can you think of anything more terrifying in your life than being on your deathbed, not knowing where you're going, because you have never given the one and true God a try. Man, it's just something to think about, you know. So they'll be judged according to their works. Now, notice, there were books open, and then there was the book of life. So as you can see, these books are the books of our lives in accordance with the book of life here. The book of life is only going to name whoever belongs in the kingdom of God. The book of our lives will determine whether we are worthy 
to go into the book of life. Now, I know some people will say that I'm a good person by my own standards. I do my own things. I don't curse. I don't chew. I don't hang out with those that do. Even that is not enough because what God the Father and what Jesus Christ is looking for and everyone who is going to make it is Christ in you. He's looking for Jesus Christ to be formed in you. The only one that is worthy to inherit eternal life is Christ in you. We couldn't do it by our own standards if we tried. We just don't have it like that. The only precious blood, the only one that ever walked this earth without sin, the only one worthy in heaven and on the earth to inherit eternal life is going to be Jesus Christ in you, not your church, not your religion, you know, not your love for other people. It is going to be Christ in you. So if no one has anything to add, if they want to, they can. If not, I'm going to continue reading here. All right, so this is uh, verse 13, and he says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. So as you can see, the sea, maybe for those who had drowned or been a part of, you know, large catastrophe, they're going to be given up, you know, and the dead, okay, and death and hell, which are the grave and hell, they are going to be turning people over unto the judgment. So as you can see, and I hate to say this in a way that sounds threatening, but hell is the least of your concerns. It's standing before that great, that great white throne of judgment where we, know, where we have to, you know, give an account for everything that we've done. You know, and I really don't think eternal punishment is going to be the thing that's going to hurt people. I mean, it's going to hurt, but it's not going to be that entirely that's going to do people in or make it even hell for that matter. It's going to be not being in the presence of God, nor will ever be able to be again. It's going to be, you know, knowing the whole time that you were right, only to stand here before the king of kings whose eyes are as a flame of fire, looking right through you, right into your soul and asking you why you didn't believe in him. And you're going to come up with countless excuses. You're going to beg for another chance. You're going to cry your eyes out. And what it's going to seem to us Christians, according to our evaluation of this, man, it's going to be cold-blooded. If you don't know Jesus Christ, then you will not inherit eternal life. I don't care what your pastor said. I don't care what anybody you've ever heard that, that calls themselves Christians that don't walk in the ways of God says. When it comes down to it, hell is not going to be the worst of you, the least of you, I mean, the worst that you're going to deal with. Neither is death. It's going to be standing before him knowing that you have no other chance because you have forsaken those voices crying in the wilderness that you may give your life to Christ. Look at verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. So as you can see, the two things that religious people and all natural people of fear is death and hell. And those two things are going to have no power over God. Jesus Christ is going to take those two things that terrified man, that kept man from doing a lot of the things God says, and just going to throw them into the lake of fire. No big deal. Okay, he says, this is the second death. So as you can see, death is not enough. The second death is going to be eternal. 
that's the one that you need to fear. Verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Man, that's terrifying. I mean, I can just sit there and imagine us standing before the Lord, believing the whole time that we're in, only to find out when the Lord asks us, you know, why didn't you do what I told you to do? Why didn't you believe in me? Why did you think by going to church that you wouldn't have to obey me? Why did you think that your pastor was going to give you salvation aside from me? And then, you know, they're going to go through a list of names there. I don't know exactly how it's going to be done, but one thing I know is for sure is he's going to look in that book, and if our names are not there, man, you can't even fathom the type of fear that is going to grip people all because they would not yield, all because they found things more important, all because they gave in to their own lust, all because they thought that all ways lead to God and not the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you see, that's the grace of God that he allowed his word to be written in many different translations because he wants people to come to the truth. He wants people to, you know, um, understand who he is. Now, I mean, I I want the atheist to even picture this. Imagine your whole life you denied God. You even said that there were things that you would do to Jesus if you saw him, like Ted Turner claiming that he would punch him in the nose if he saw him. Imagine going through all this stuff in life, and you just, you know, call him every name in the book, but yet you're still alive, and he's overlooking what you said because he loves you that much that he he just hopes. He's going to probably send about... 250 more people before you, before your life is over, trying to get you to come to him. And you've forsaken him because you think that the Christian is a fool. The Christian is uneducated and ignorant, only to find out that he was right. Man, can you think of anything worse than you denying your very life source only to be damned forever in the lake of fire? Tell you, man, that's crazy stuff. Let's go to Matthew um, 7. Um, Sarah or my brother Mike, anybody wants to add anything, they can. Let's go to Matthew 7. Well, I can tell you one thing from my research with the the demonic realm and all these images of these things. That's an added. (laughs) Who wants to be around those things for eternity? Gosh, that's some nasty looking things. For real. Oh, yeah. There was a guy that actually um, said, he was talking about, um, the, I think the, it's called 23 Minutes in Hell. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. But a guy talked about one day he fell asleep on the couch, and, you know, the Lord actually took him to hell. And he said that there were demons walking around there, man, that would put fear in you like you wouldn't believe. He said, man, just walking around looking for mischief. There was another video I saw where he said that the um, demons would pluck out people's eyes and rip off limbs and have people looking for them. I mean, these demons are merciless, man. They're ruthless. But this one man in a 23 Minutes in Hell video was walking around. I mean, you know, well, he wasn't walking around. He said he could barely move because it takes that much strength to breathe in hell. He said, man, turning over was like lifting up a car. I mean, he couldn't even 
stand to turn over, but he said that, you know, one of these demons saw him big. I mean, they were tall, looked at him, grabbed him off the ground, and took him and slammed him into the wall, breaking every bone in his body, and they just sat back and laughed while he was struggling to get up. You know, that's the kind of stuff that people are going to be dealing with. But in another video I saw, while these demons were tormenting people, they said that, you know, the Lord intended to give one person that went to hell one more chance. So he was just giving them visions. But when the Lord says, I am not the God of the ungodly, and when God spoke, they said all of hell shook, and every demon stood still and was looking up, terrified terrified of Jesus Christ. So who is this Jesus that we're forsaken, don't even recognize who he is? But when mm-hmm. Jesus was speaking there, man, those demons were, you want to talk about quiet as church mice. I mean, they didn't, they didn't say a word because even though they're eternally damned, they would rather be in hell than deal with Jesus Christ. That's yep. something to think about. Are you going to say something, uh, sir? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, too, something that we've talked about numerous times is a couple of things that really has to happen to people is, one, they've got to get rid of the American dream idea because it's a lie. And it's like that kind of puts a veil over people's eyes to see the true evil that's in politics and the true evil that's all around us because the people high up, we all know this, we know who they worship. And so right. they don't have anyone. Not just the Christians, but they have no one's best intentions at heart. The only thing that they're worried about is serving their master and what gain that they will get from it. And then the other thing is that people got to stop being religious because really the two go hand in hand. Religion and the American dream. I mean, if we look at what Pontius Pilate and the Pharisees did to Jesus Christ, that was like the only time that they were actually agreed on anything. But it's still happening today, you know? That's right. Absolutely. You know, and that's just one of those things where we can talk until we turn blue. But you see, it's going to take a repentant heart to come after Jesus because people really think that this is a joke. But their worlds are about to turn upside down in a minute. And like I said, man, it's going to be very hard to feel sorry for people that love the world. For me, my love is going to be towards pulling them out, but it'll never be to stand for this. How many people have gone to hell loving this life, deceived into thinking that this was equivalent to Christ, deceived into thinking that the U.S. Constitution is the same thing as the Bible? How many people, you know, have this, have this life claimed, man, and destroyed, all because this became more important than pursuing what Jesus Christ says. You got to get over this. Let's look at Matthew 7, look at verse 13, and it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth into destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. So many, as we talked about before, is always in a negative form. That straight gate he's telling us to get into is not a broad gate. A straight gate is a narrow gate. But he says, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So Jesus was warning people from the very beginning, guys, stop playing around, you know. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, and don't think about the earth. Man, if we could just give Jesus 100%, what is he able to do here? 
that we would hurry up and get out of here. But you know where most of our prolonged disappointment is and why we still love the world is because we're not Christians. Okay, for those people that love the world, you are not a Christian because you will stand against everything that God's word says in defense of this world. That's a fact. You know, whenever you start talking about eternal life and and pursuing Jesus, and they want to talk to you about your best life now or what you're able to do here, there's a disconnect. There's something not right there. I'm talking about eternal life, eternal damnation. And you want to talk to me about a nine to five? There's something not right there. There's something that needs to change. There's a, there's a perspective. There's a there's a loss of what of what needs to be when you don't understand that this thing is so much bigger than that. So what I'm waiting for right now in my life, Lord, show us how big it is. Show us what we need to see, that this world never loved you. This world was pimping you. This world was using you. This world was taking advantage of you. And the only reason why you can't see it is because you were lying with the pimp. Okay? But when you stand against the pimp, then you begin to see how vicious he really is. So you see why most people's perspective is messed up concerning this world is because they're not preaching the gospel. They're not defending Jesus Christ because if they did then they would understand, yeah, this is real serious. Man, these people hate me. They spit on me. I got fired. My wife or husband left me. You see, then it becomes more real, and then you can say, okay, now I see where I need to be. But I'm telling you, a lot of people, they've just got this mentality where they think that the narrow gate is just a term that says, no, we just need Jesus. And, you know, it does say that, but you don't understand to what degree. Not just to know him, not just to read his word, not just to go to church, but to have Christ formed in you. That's the narrow way. It's not just Jesus. The Mormons believe in their Jesus. You know, the, the, the uh, Jehovah Witnesses believe in their Jesus. We're talking about the one true Jesus, the Messiah, the only Son of God the one that told you to forsake the world and pay attention to him. That's the only Jesus that that we're supposed to be worshiping. So he says, few there be that find the way. Then he says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth fruit. I mean, evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Now that's clear. So everyone that does not bear the fruit of Jesus Christ will be cast down into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. So the Lord has given us a way to be able to detect who's for real and who's not. And it's only by your fruit, which will lead to gifts. Your fruit are only going to lead you in the ways of righteousness and pursuing Christ. But you see, if you're, if you're bearing um, figs and thistles, those things will become your fruit. That's why he's talking about how, you know, good trees can't bring forth corrupt fruit. How do we know what kind of fruit people are bringing forth? The way that they speak. What they find is important, the things that they care about the most. 
You know, them that don't mind the spiritual things will definitely mind the carnal things. So these are things that we really ought to pay attention to. Never mind that your mom or your dad or your cousin or your brother or whomever or your pastor. Pay very close attention to how they speak. Or are they speaking life? Do they care about your salvation? Do they make more excuses for the world than they do for God? These are the things that we got to pay attention to because we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. So he says in verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now, it's just so funny how we can read this and still make excuses for it. Well, yeah, that doesn't mean me. That's talking about, you know, maybe a Catholic or, or a Mormon or something. No, that means you too, if you know not Christ. And that's why, you know, I can't wait for these churches because I, I already know what the future is going to be concerning them. You know, I can't wait till God tears down the religious system that his people may seek him in the inner man and become one with him because that's going to put aside all this foolishness. We're going to find out who's got it and who's pursuing Christ and who's not. Who's concerned about eternal life and who's not? And, I, I, you know, I don't want to sound angry tonight or anything like that or, or unloving. I love people is why I'm trying to deliver what I'm delivering. Because, you see, it's sad that no matter what you say, no matter what you teach, no matter what you do, these people will still be given into temptation or, or away from the things that God calls us to. So, you know, just consider this tonight, a voice crying in the wilderness telling people to repent, to give their lives to Jesus, to stop playing games, stop acting like you're in, knowing you can't stand Jesus. Because every time somebody brings the word to you, you don't like it. You fight against it. So how could you call yourself a Christian? How could you go under the banner of that great name of Jesus Christ? So he says, you know, only those who do the will of his Father. He said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So what does God want to do? He wants to lead us by his Spirit. He wants every time we go out there to speak for there to be fruit. He wants growth. He wants production. He wants people that are, you know, in his army, not breaking ranks, staying focused on the goal. And you know what? I, I understand why the Lord had not given me a wife, you know, in my life. Because you know what? At one point, that might have been an idol to me. It might have been something that I loved so much that I would have just walked away from Christ and never come back. You see, sometimes when God doesn't give us something, that's his grace because he knows that we are idol worshipers. If you're not loving the Lord thy God more than anything, and you're not loving your neighbor as yourself, you're an idolater. You know, and, and if you love someone, the only truest and sure way to show love is not just giving the person food to eat or whatever they need carnally, but it's feeding them Jesus so that these people can live and not be damned. So you see, that's so important for us that we get this, that we understand this. Man, that's the only kind of love that exists is the Christ love. 
All the other things are somewhat about us. So he says, then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. You know what the Lord is even showing me within myself, how weak I can be at times, how not on task with what he calls me to do, I can walk away from. So when I, when I said what I said earlier about there being more men of God in the midst, you know, I would love for the Lord to even work on me even more. But one thing we do need are true soldiers, because how many of us are blown away by the winds, by the rain, by this, by that, by entertainment, by foolishness, by the cares of our own hearts? This stuff has got to come to an end. It's got to get to the place where we truly find Jesus as everything to us. And then, you know, I realize when you give your heart to the Lord and you begin to obey him and do what he wants, the Lord never forgot any prayer that you ever asked. He never forgot any desire of your heart. But what he first wanted your heart to be was fastened on him so he can make reservations for you and he can put your name in that book. Then from there, my son, you can get whatever it is that I, that I need to give you. But you first have got to be partaker of the inheritance so you don't lose sight of what is. That's what this is about. God can give his children anything, but it's whether or not we're really faithful to what he's calling us to do. So it says in verse uh, 26, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So as you can see, if we're not grounded in Jesus, you know, we can say anything we want through our lips, but it will mean absolutely nothing because those who are grounded in Christ will walk the ways of Jesus Christ. Or if we don't even have it, we will seek it. We will pray for it. We will long for it. Why? Because we know being like Christ is the only way to salvation. It's the only way to eternal life. But I just get so sick of people downplaying the gospel, you know, to say, oh, man, you, you're way too serious in this day. Wait a minute. Do you think that this is a joke? You know, it's not about Paul. It's not about Peter. It's not about any of those people that were in the hall of faith. That is what every Christian should be looking like, like Christ. You know, when they saw Peter, John, and James in the Bible, what did they say? You know, they said, man, they took, when they saw their boldness, they, they looked at them and said, man, these, these guys have been with Jesus. They had taken note that they had been with Christ. But you see, the Christian today is not even believing that God can use him in this way. He's not even believing that full manifestation of Christ is what is necessary for growth or in order to do God's righteous works. So we got to stop, you know, cutting off the life source and start paying attention to what he wants. Because I'm telling you, man, there's going to be nothing more frightening than that tree of life. There will be things, I mean, not tree of life, book of life. There will be things that you had long forgotten about that you have never repented of that the Lord will bring to you on that day. Brother, I want to send you a video. I'm not sure, and I'm definitely not trying to give you more work. Okay, but 
there is one video of a guy I truly want to send to you that I want people to see. But it was a, it was a um, video of a man that God has given him visions. And though his English may be broken and he sounds kind of, you know, he can be hard to understand in some places, but he gave a vision of what um, hell was looking like in heaven and everything. And, I mean, I think it's something that people should pay attention to because he says when he woke up out of that dream, he was afraid to move. He was afraid to do anything because he thought that, you know, any little thing that he did could have added against him in the day of judgment. Sorry, bro. Yeah, send it to me, man. Send it to me. I'll check it out. Maybe yeah, I maybe, maybe mirror, mirror it. So go ahead. Yeah. Great, no, great teaching, by the way. You really are uh, appreciating what I'm hearing. It's nice to hear the truth. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Well, praise the Lord indeed. You know, I mean, I usually don't know what I'm saying until I hear these things later. So, you know, I'm just trusting in the Lord with everything that he, you know, wants to say. So let's look at Matthew 12. Let's look at verse 34. Matthew 12. And verse 34. And he says, O generation of vipers, he was speaking to the um, Pharisees. He says, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So, you know, what, what, what we really say on the outside is what's truly inside. And, I mean, it's just something for us to think about that you can know our hearts simply by the way that we speak. You know, um, there's a friend of mine that actually said to me a few days ago, they said, if you really want to know what a person's soul is like, all you got to do is look at their home. You know, if you really want to know what someone's mind is like, all you got to do is look at their, um, you know, the way that they, they live. And it really does say a lot because if you're somebody, and I'm not, I can't judge anyone. I remember one time, I mean, I was somebody that just threw stuff around when I got home. I didn't care how anything looked. But, you know, later what was revealed to me was, that was my soul. That was my mind. My mind was cluttered. My mind wasn't organized. So naturally, my surroundings became the same way. Okay, so a lot of what we say, like Jesus said, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the mouth will say nothing that the heart doesn't feel. Now you know why people don't preach the gospel. You know, and that only makes sense. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if preaching the gospel is what is essential, that others might get saved and that, you know, God might be pleased in us proclaiming and, and proclaiming and telling people about him, no wonder we can't speak. We've got no heart in the place of Jesus. You know, look at, uh, look at verse 35. A good man out of a good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of an evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. It's that simple. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So that's something to think about. And if we truly believe this, we would talk a lot less. If you look at James 3, 
The Bible talks about, we're not going there, but it talks about that the tongue can bless and the tongue can curse. Okay? That the tongue is an evil member full of deadly poison. That is against God. And, and what we've got to know is if we can tame the tongue, the only way we're going to do that is by having the right heart. And that includes myself. Sometimes I can get frustrated and say things to people, and you know, because uh, there's no excuse for it other than I need to make my heart more like Jesus. I've always been a very upfront, telling it like it is type person. And there's nothing wrong with that if you're preaching the truth and preaching Christ. But when you, you know, get frustrated to the point where you can't talk to people or you start tearing people down, you know, that can be bad. But I believe tonight what I'm feeling is righteous, you know, is righteous because I think people need to really hear it. I think people really need to understand that there is nothing aside from Jesus that will sustain. You know, I just want God to pull his heart, pull the hearts of the people away from the world because I don't think they're really getting a glimpse of what this whole thing is about. Man, you know, people that won't give up work and they they think that they're doing something and they're earning their place in society, pretty soon you're going to be working in a FEMA camp, okay, for free as a slave. So we need to give our lives to Jesus so that none of these things matter. God will protect his people, but we can't lose sight of life. But, you know, a person that is so stuck in the self, their lives, how they're feeling, what's happening to them, that's the spirit of Antichrist because you can't even focus and do what God is saying to do. Man, you know, that's the worst kind of person, in my opinion, because, man, can you ever stop paying attention to you that other people might actually get some understanding, may learn Christ, may learn what true love is? Can you ever get out of you and your desires that Christ can do what he needs to do? There's nothing more frustrating, and I know because I used to be this kind of guy, is to talk to someone about your problems, and all they can do is keep going back to their problems. But you know who won't do that? Jesus Christ. You can tell Jesus anything. You can come before him with anything, and the only thing he's going to do is give you something for you to get right. And usually what the Lord turns you is, is unto him. Not into yourself. As long as you're into the self, in yourself, there's, I mean, people are always attacked by the enemy this way. That's the surest sign to be attacked of the devil when you're concerned for you. But I realize if you get about the Lord's business, he'll get about yours. He'll start fighting things off in your life. He'll start paying bills for you. He'll start giving you the desires of your heart. Why? Because your desires are towards his heart. It's about Jesus first. And everything else second. And some things we don't even need to come third, fourth, or fifth. We need to get rid of it. We need to throw it out for good so that it has no place. Let's look at Matthew 25. Anybody want to add anything that can? All right. Let's look at Matthew 25. Let's look at verse 1. And it says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. And they that were foolish took no—I mean, took their lamps uh, and no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. You know, the Lord was showing me this today in verse 2 where it says, 
that there were ten virgins. Now, ten is always a, a number for God's law. That's why we got the Ten Commandments, even though we were, we've, they've been broken down to two, loving the Lord and loving your neighbor. One of the interesting things here is that when they mentioned five were wise, five were foolish, they broke them down in even, you know, into it being even. I believe today what the Lord was showing me is that this is grace. These are five wise, five foolish, five being the number for grace, and we're going to see how these two groups deal with their grace. Are they frustrating the grace of God, or are they going forward being led by the Spirit and doing what the Lord says? So let's look at verse 3 again. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Okay, so they might have had some truth. They might have had some life, but they didn't have the Spirit. Okay, but the wise took oil in their vessels with, uh, with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. So, you know, slumbering is a kind of, you know, sleeping but kind of being alert, where, where sleeping is out cold. Okay, so these two groups, some are slumbering, meaning like, yeah, they, they might be at ease, but they're still waiting for the bridegroom. And then you got others that are slept that he will arrive when he arrives. Verse 6, and at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. So as you can see, that that oil must mean a relationship. That oil must mean time and prayer. That oil must mean preaching the gospel. Because that oil is what made them ready, is what we're talking about. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 7? For them that do the will of my Father. Those are the only people that will make it into the kingdom of God. Okay? So he said their lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. So as you see, when, when um, the Lord says, that uh, or Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says that he put treasure in earthen vessels. Now, that treasure is meant for us to mine. It's meant for us to dig. It's meant for us to go after it so that way we won't, you know, um, so that way we can birth Christ. You know, we can go deep into God until we hit that place where Christ can be formed in us. And, you know, it's saying that some did, some went after it, and others were playing around, you know. So they said, hey, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. So what does this tell us? Salvation is an individual affair, okay? You're not saved because your pastor saved. You're saved because you know Christ and your name is written in that book of life. So let's look at um, verse 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went with him, I mean, went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. And you see, this is why I've got a teaching coming up talking about, you know, has thou left thy first love? Because you see, how we come into this thing is how we finish. 
How we begin, that thirst, that hunger, when we first were born again, man, we couldn't put this word down. We couldn't stop telling people about Jesus as if we found new life. But you'll find with the Christian over time is he just stops, you know, communing with God. He stops being intimate with him. He gets to the place of I reached a certain status, so there's no need to come at it that way anymore. And that's the biggest lie. Because, you see, in order for us to make it, we've got to have the same hunger and desire for the Lord that we always had, ever increasing from faith to faith, glory to glory. That's what this is about. You know, so the door is shut, and Jesus says when they wanted him to open it, I know you not. I don't even know who you are. Man, we got to really get into some serious prayer and, and getting drawn closer to the Lord so that we won't hear these words. Imagine God just going down a list of names, and you try and tell him your name repeatedly. No, no, I'm, I'm Derek. You know, no, Derek from Sound the Trumpet Ministries? No, the one that used to hold Bible studies and things like that and go out and preach, and for him to say he doesn't know me? You know, the Lord has even had to correct me in some areas of going into this word to get sermons and not going into the word for intimacy. They're two different things entirely. When you go into God's word for intimacy, it's because you're looking to gain the mind of Christ and be transformed, that you enjoy reading the word, not so you can go and perform before others. That's what the Lord has been putting in my heart. We're going to find out really, truly, how narrow this gate is. So let's look at this. So he says, I know you're not. Let's look at verse 13. Okay, brother. Anybody's going to say something? Um, yeah, uh, Jake's on. He wanted to say something. Yeah, go ahead, Jake. Or is he muted? I think he's muted right now. So you Which know, one is probably... Jake? Is it, which one is Jake? Oregon or is that North yeah. Missouri, is it? Okay, hold on a second. It's Oregon. You there, Jake? Hello? Jake, you there? There he is. Yes. This is you, Jake. Okay. How's it Go going? Ahead. Good, man. So, so how are you? I, I'm doing well. I just got off work. Um, so what's awesome about this is how God always works perfectly and coincides with everything because um, Derek was talking about how um, he had a friend talk about the, how your soul displays how you are, what have you. Mm-hmm. And in, mm-hmm. instantly, God reminded me of cleanliness is next to godliness. Mm-hmm. So that's even like in life too, like how we present ourselves outwardly as uh, Christians and believers. Hey, that's mm-hmm. a great point. That's a really great point because, you know, that's why the Bible tells us in many cases to escape the appearance of evil, Mm -hmm. to get away from that. Because whether you're doing wrong or not doesn't matter. It's how it looks, you know, in many ways. And and I'm not talking about preaching the gospel. We'll be seen as evil for that. But, no, Jake is absolutely right because, you know, we got to understand that bearing the image of Christ is more important than anything. You know, when we become his ambassadors, his representatives, then we are going to honor him not with just our words, but with our actions and the way that we live. That's a great point by Jake, you know, about being clean. 
you know, recognizing that you are the bride of Christ. Great point. Anyone else? Yeah, I wanted to say something real quick before we move on about uh, reading. When you read about the ten virgins, it's awesome because it's like, you know, the Lord revealed, even though we've gone over something a hundred times, he still reveals things to us, you know, about uh, what things actually mean. And it's interesting how, like you were, you've been saying the whole night that our focus is on Jesus Christ first and everything falls second. And what's so awesome about the Lord is that even when we're going through something, and this is just a general thing, uh, like a pain in our lives or, you know, the loss of a family member or your husband or your wife walks out on you because they don't want to believe the gospel. Well, as people, that's it's going to hurt us, right? But God's grace allows us, it's as if he allows us to go through those things, but not forever. You know, That's some right. people will hold on to those things and they will they can exhaust the grace of God by not giving it up and letting him work and saying, That's Okay, right. you can go you you go through this but you don't go through it forever. There is a season. And now it's just like once it's over, it's like bam. You know, and, and hopefully it doesn't last too long, but it's like because you're right, there's so many more important things in this life besides what we go through. And the biggest thing is telling other people, to, is having a relationship with Jesus Christ, him first, and telling others about Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. That's right. In this life, you know. So that's the point that I had. That's right. Amen. Those are great points, you know. So uh, we're going to continue on um, Matthew 25. But thanks, guys, for your input. You know, anybody else that has anything to add because it's important that we all understand this. I mean, you said how you felt the flesh, uh, Mike, perk up on you. You know, funny thing, last week I bought this old um, system, this this uh, Nintendo Retro, you know, whatever. And I was like, man, you know, I remember the old games. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, well, it's not a cursing game like anything else. You know, the games that they have today. So, you know, I mean, who cares if I play a couple of games? It it was so funny that right after I bought it, you know, it's almost like I felt the spirit telling me, whether the games are innocent or not, you and I got work to do. (laughs) You know, like... If you continue with this, man, you're going to go right back to the flesh, which we just tried to get past. So it's just so funny how I can say what I'm saying now, but then there are times i got to fight my own flesh because of other things that have gone on. Whatever um, spirits that we end up fighting against or, or exposing, they always come after us in their own ways. So, you know, it's just something that we all got to keep in mind, okay? When I speak this, I'm speaking to myself because I recognize this flesh is a monster. And if we're not up under it, it will creep back on us. So, man, when we don't feel like serving God or doing what he says, we need to find that strength, man, that spirit to walk with God. Sorry, bro. Oh, no, I was just saying amen, and I relate. uh, Whether it's the music thing, I mean, I don't. Uh, I don't listen to music anymore because I was a musician. For and that was my idol. That was my god. Mm-hmm. And since God's got a hold of me, I really don't listen to music that much because that was it. That was, and uh, 
I don't enjoy it. He he took it away from me because mm-hmm. we got we got business. <laughs> they got things <laughs> to do. We got to do right. stuff. We got to work for him. You know, that's 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 what our purpose is here for. So it's just like uh, I was talking. You know, people was like, you know, I'm starting to feel a little bit better. Maybe it'd be kind of nice to have a a good. You know, you may get a part-time job because money's always really tight for me, you know. Right. And I'm like, well, what can I do? Well, I don't know. Make my job or I just sit on my butt. I have to walk. And what happens? Monday, I go to my mom because she had, you know, the stroke and she's at the uh, rehab. And sure enough, by the time I got to her room, my legs completely gave out. And I'm oh, both feet dropping, and so I need to be. I had to be wheelchaired out of the place, which was also interesting too, because uh, Satan chose uh, the health aid like the worst, well, demons as health aid that there ever was to do. <laughs> but anyway, oh, wow. and she didn't want to help out and all that. But they finally got that's some of the you know, to take me. But my point being in that is, is like, okay, God, I get it. I get it. My job is to serve you. It's not about work and all that. Just forget about all this stuff. Forget about the world. I couldn't even enjoy the world this weekend. You know what I mean? I missed him too much. I missed him. I missed serving him. I missed, uh, you know, uh, all the different aspects that are involved in serving our Lord and Savior. And, um, you know, the world is just is empty. All it was is just watching people pretty much behave pretty... Well, I don't know how to say this any other way, but adults behaving like children. That's a nice way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of saying it, isn't it? In other words... You know, I mean, it's incredibly ignorant, the whole situation about what Fourth of July has turned into. It's basically about getting drunk and or from women people, parties, uh, and grown men to blow up fireworks. And I mean, what is it about at this point? Except just the excuse mm-hmm. to go to the park and camp out and walk around in thongs and and splash in the water. I mean, it's fun, but it's like, it's pretty empty. I mean, I remember just like how empty it, it felt. I mean, no, I, was happy absolutely. For, I was happy for my son, you know what I mean? Because it's the KOA thing and all the children and everyone having a good time. And one of the great blessings was that I had a chance to ride a bike. My son, with my son, my son finally learned how to ride a bike. So I rode a bike and he rode a bike. We rode around the pond and all that, and that was really awesome experience for me as a dad. But outside, I mean, it was a bigger deal for me than my son. My son was just like, oh, there's dad, you know what I mean? Right. And, uh, but my point in all that was just how uh, it was so, it was all, it's, it's all about escaping. Mm-hmm. It's all about getting, it's all about, being entertained and trying to escape this world. And the only way to escape this world is through Jesus. So it's all, and so everyone's under just constantly creating more and more fantasies and delusions and illusions to cope with the demonic realm, Satan's kingdom, because 
it's really not all that great, even for those who are not Christ. That's right. You know what I mean? If they're oh, real yeah. honest, it's empty. It's just place is empty. It's just like a constant chase for an experience. What is that experience going to give you? You're right. You're yeah. so right, man. And I mean, it's just nothing but death walking around here. And like you feel, I really believe that if we have been born again in Christ, you think about this all the time. You think about pleasing the Lord. You think about eternal life. You think about how much time you spent with Jesus. And it's funny that when you're out there having fun, like you just mentioned, or into yourself, you find the Holy Ghost will alert your mind at some point during the day, hey, we need to pray. We need to get back on track. We need to do what, you know, God is calling us to do. And, I mean, it's true. You can't just go around and just have fun like that and not even think about it. And I think that's the biggest difference between the saved and the unsaved. The unsaved people don't feel like, in many ways, they're doing anything wrong in the presence of the Lord. I really don't think they do. I think that they don't, as far as serving the world and serving God, it's all the same to them. You know, it's just whatever time you get ready to do whichever hobbies. But to the believer, you feel this thing, man. It's in the back of your mind. Jesus is not just somebody you heard of, man. He's a personal member of your family. He's your husband. So it's like if you don't check in with him at some point in the day, then you know, man, something has got to be wrong. Because any relationship with anybody, you know when you're not drawn close to the Lord. You know it. You know that something's not right, man. Like, Lord, I got to get back. I got to see you. I need to hear from you. I got to get into your word. That's the biggest difference. Because, you see, those who call themselves Christians but don't even think about how their lives affect Jesus, come on, man, you can't be. There's no way that you can continue doing what we're doing and then, then not feel some conviction of it. And I'm not saying we're all on the same level. We're all on different levels with Christ. But there's got to be something that will convict your heart to say, no, I need to be here in this particular place because this is what God is calling me to do. Man, that's, that's such a, a turn. Like, look at this. Let's look at, um, this is Matthew 25. Let's look at verse 13. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. So what do we know? What the, God gives, what, what the Lord gives us are gifts, okay? These talents may be speaking of measures of, or, of whatever we have, but this is also speaking of the gifts that God gives are without repentance. God gives some of us the gift of teaching. He gives others, you know, the gift of patience, the gift of ministry, whatever it is, the gift of song, no matter what. You know, God can pull you into these things because, you know, it's, it's what he gave you to use. But, but in many cases, you know, let me just continue because I'll get off talking again and get off track. So he gave them all something according to their ability and straightway took his journey. Then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that received two talents, he also gained other two. But he that had received one 
went and digged in the earth and hid his and hid his lord's money. After a long time, the lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. So notice it says, after a long time. So you can say for you and I, this is our span of life. Okay, this is the beginning unto the end of our lives. All right, so he says, after a long time, verse 20. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So the Lord called this person a faithful steward, faithful, you know, and that guy took what God gave him and used it to the best of his ability. So what did God do? Welcome him into the kingdom. All right, look at verse 22. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where there has not sown and gathering where there has not strawed. And I was afraid. So this guy called Jesus unfair. He said that God is unfair. Why does this have to happen to me? Why do you got to give me talents to be involved in ministry to do what you want me to do? Why is it fair that I go and talk to people and offend them? Man, that's a hard man to even put me in the face of whatever it is, you know, in order to appease you. So this guy's perspective of God is wrong. It's harsh. You know, he's, he's perceiving God wrong for one reason. He doesn't know him. And then here's the real answer in 25. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, um, there thou hast that is thine. And the Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore what you should have done was to have put my money to Uh-oh. Looks like Derek dropped off. Where you at, brother? Looks like you your phone died. No, nah, bro, I'm still here. Can you hear me? I can hear you, but I didn't hear you for a few seconds. Did uh are you there, Sarah? Sarah, yeah, can you I'm hear here. me? Yeah, I'm here. Did, did you? Did, did, was it a blackout for you, or did you hear? I heard him. I heard him cut out. Yeah. Okay. How long ago was that? A minute. Uh, Thirty seconds to a minute, that? maybe. Oh man. So let me um, look at this again. I mean, um, go back so to the enemy. Go back to oh, what happened first one five. Go back okay, to verse twenty-five. Okay, so he says, you know, this guy chose the Lord as being a hard man, but the real reason was, he says, I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is done. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. 
Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanges, and then um, at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. So we got to understand this. What is the Lord telling us? The fact that he had given this person one talent, and this person should not have just received or, or been able to bear fruit, but it should have been with usury, not not like the usury, but with, um, what do you call it, with uh, interest. You know, there should have been interest added to this. So God is telling us all, or Jesus is telling us, that we have the ability to be fruitful if we just give it to him, if we just stop making excuses, if we stop being concerned for things that got nothing to do with him and start really calling on to him. Because, you know, to me, there's nothing worse, and I hate to get off the subject, but I'm just feeling a lot tonight that I need to discuss, but there's nothing worse than someone constantly coming to you asking you for something over and over and over again, and you continue to go and give them, and then they waste it, and they do nothing with it. You know, I wouldn't want to give somebody like that something either, but that's why the Lord calls us to be long-suffering. That's why the Lord calls us to love him more than anything, not love yourself. The Bible never tells you to love yourself. It says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. But we got too much self-love in this. So the Lord is telling us, man, that, man, he should have added interest. So the Lord said, take, therefore, the talent from him and give it to him, which have ten talents. For unto every one that hath, that hath shall be given, and he shall have, and he, and he, and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. So you see, with God, if you don't use it, you lose it. And this is why there are days Sarah and I used to go out there and minister. And, you know, if we ain't been out there in a few weeks, it feels fresh like starting all over again. Like, man, you know, now we got to get used to getting in people's faces and talking to them and everything else. But the more we go out there, the more we're at home because the Lord is only going to pour unto his will. He's only going to place joy where his will is. And that's why he says that your joy might be full. God wants your joy to be full, but your joy has got to match his. You don't take the Lord's joy and go off and do what you want. And then, you, and then when you get drained by the world, now you're ready to come back for another filling? God gives us his power to do his will that he might be pleased and it may be beneficial to us. That's something we got to look at because other than that, we're straying unto death and not unto life. So he says um, the Lord will take it away. Look at verse 30. He's not just going to take your talent and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as the shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Now, you know, sheep, sheep are docile creatures that obey the Lord and do what the Lord says. You know, they, they follow the shepherd. They don't give you a lot of trouble except through their ignorance like we do before the Lord. Okay, sheep are pretty dumb. It's not that they mean to run away. They're too dumb to stay where they need to, so the shepherd has got to stay with them that they may follow. Okay, but when it comes down to um, goats, 
A goat by nature does not like to be told what to do. Goats by nature are stubborn. Goats by nature, if you turn your back, they'll butt you in your butt. That's what they do. Okay, so we're looking at two different types of nature. So he says he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And where are the sheep going in verse 33? The sheep are going on his right hand, but the goats on the left. So we're talking saved and unsaved, two different people. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and you gave me meat. So some people would say, well, I do give out food. Yeah, but you don't know what kind of meat he's talking about here. Yes, you can give out food. But remember, as it began with the virgins and as it began with the servants with the talents, he's talking about those who are his that are preaching the gospel. Okay, so you can give food and all that. I'm not speaking against that. But when he's talking about meat, Jesus said before, I have meat that you know not of. That meat is the spirit. That meat is what God needs, I mean, what man needs to sustain, okay, or to give other men. So it's not just food here we're talking about. We're talking about the word of God. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. What does he say? He that hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness shall be filled. This is what he's talking about. Okay, so he gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, meaning no God, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. Now, you know, we're all sick until we get God's spirit to do what we need to do. Look at the life that we lived. Look at how lost we were. Look at how deprived we were in our states. Only for the Lord to heal us and continue to work on us to make us whole. Then he says, um, uh, where am I? All right, so he says, um, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Now, now, are there prison ministries? Absolutely. Is that a good thing? Absolutely, because we learn that there's more to life than prison, like eternal life or eternal damnation. But what are we talking about here? Setting the captives free. You can be, there's no greater captivity than being captive in your mind, than having your soul bound by this world. And, and what we have are the words of eternal life that can set people free if we just yield to Christ, all right? So then he says in verse 37, then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink, and, and saw we uh, thee a stranger and um, took thee in, or naked, and ye clothed thee? So as you can see, or look at verse 39, or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee. So as you can see, these people are not able to relate the works of God with, you know, charity or, or certain things like that. So I do believe he is talking about physically preaching the gospel and visiting and doing things like that, taking care of the needy. But this is also speaking of our work concerning the gospel, that others might be, you know, they may get their place in the book of life. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it to one of these least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, uh, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So as you can see, God never intended for man to go to hell. 
Man is going to hell because he chooses to have the devil as his father and not God. Okay, so God intends for every single person to hear this gospel and to get saved, but that choice will be up to you and I. And, man, he's talking about weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, I can't even imagine what that's like. And in Matthew 24, it says, and the worm dieth not. Man, can you think of anything more terrifying than that, that you will be with eternal pain and eternal damnation? And you know what one of the worst things are going to be, too? Not just being away from Jesus, only to find out that Jesus was the way, is the way, is the truth, and is the life. While you're down there burning in hell, you're going to be able to look up and see the glorious kingdom of God and all those that made it, but they won't be able to see you. That's something to think about. And, and I'm not trying to scare people, and I'm just praying that what people understand what I'm saying right now is out of love, but God wants people to be saved. He's not kidding. He's not playing games with us and how we treat our brother and how we're into self. We've got to learn to walk with Jesus that he can take us through. So if anybody has anything, to, uh, let me finish this. He says um, in verse uh, 42, for I was hungry and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you took me not in, naked and you clothed me not, in prison and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, uh, when saw we thee and hungered or a thirst or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister unto thee? Uh, then shall he answer uh, them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life or life eternal. So how do I know that this is true? Okay, now we talk about the food and all that stuff, you know, clothing people. I do believe that God loves cheerful givers. He loves people that do those things. But Jesus said, him that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So we know that the will of God is loving our neighbor, but even for those who go out there and give clothes to the sick, okay, and, and feed the homeless and do all these things, I mean, you know, and pay for all their expenses, if that person knows not Christ, your name is not written in the book of life. That's how important it is because, you know, there are many people that do good for people only out of their own righteousness, not because they believe Jesus, but because they believe that I'm a good person by my own standards. See, I don't need to be a Christian. I don't need to be a follower of anybody, and I can do good. You're deceiving yourself, okay, because Jesus said, if you're not gathering with me, then you're against me. So it's important that we understand what side of things we fall on. If anybody wants to add anything, they can. Um, if not, I want to go yeah, to Philippians. Yeah, I, go ahead, I, I, before we, uh, you say something, Sarah, I just want to let you uh James from North Missouri, hello, and you're open. Also, there's two folks from Oregon. Do you want me to open it up? I'm not sure. I think, uh, was it Jared? Or, who's the other guy that uh, talked earlier? I'm so, I apologize. For Jake. Oh, Jake. 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 Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. he fell off, and I think he might have came back on. But uh, do you want me to open up the other two from Oregon? Um, I mean, if they have something to add, I mean, if not, we could just uh, continue, you know, with. 
But go ahead. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah has something to say. I'll open them up okay. just in case they have something they want to say. Just a reminder, okay. friendly reminder. Friendly reminder to whoever is there uh, to stay on topic, please. Okay. <laughs> yeah, what so I want to add real quick. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. My bad. I'm going to say I'm open up. Hello to both Oregon and Jake. If you're one of them, I apologize. I muted you earlier. There's some background. No, it's, it's all good. And I, sorry, Sarah. I actually the call got dropped earlier, so. Okay. I don't know who the other folk is. Who's the other organized person? It's Christina. Hi, Christina. Oh, hey. hey, what's up, Christina? Hi. It's like a family. It's like a family reunion here. It's awesome. Oh yeah, this is a family. You might even remember, or or um, you might even recognize some of the voices, you know, from the videos and other things. So yeah, fan. Okay. The gang's all here. All right. Well, let we'll let Sarah have what she needs to say, and then we'll carry on, brother. Sarah, what right, sounds good. Yeah. Also on this. Too, what Derek's talking about in Matthew 25 was, um, you know, we talked to a guy last night, and I think his name was Jacob, if I'm not remember, the guy that had the shades on, Derek, the older no, guy. No, that's Andy. Andy. Andy, okay. We were talking to him for a little bit last night, and I remember him mentioning this one church that he went to, and he said that they used to have AA meetings in the basement of their church. He said, but apparently not enough people showed up. He's like, they were only getting like eight people a week. So they closed the program down. And that goes to show you what religion will do. They're more concerned about, well, if we only have eight people coming, then we're going to waste lights and electricity and we're not getting paid for this. So if, we don't, if they don't get a, a certain amount of profit out of these people, it, it's like they don't it – if, if it doesn't profit them, why have the program is, was what I'm trying to say. And that's what religion does. If we save one person's life from alcohol, the angels rejoice. If we give them Jesus Christ, the angels rejoice. So why is it that they're so concerned about eight people coming? That's going to be accounted against them according to what the scripture says right here. You know, because it says to the least of these. So it's like my story of alcohol is that I want to tell as many people as I can so they come away from it. But if I only reach one person, thank you, Jesus. You know, that's the whole goal of what it's saying right here. So that's the point that I had. No, totally. And I mean, to um, add to that, if you go to um, Philippians 4, you know, and you were to read 1 through 20, which we probably should go to, but remember Philippians 2 says, um, 2 and 13, I believe, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So, you know, as Christians, we should be afraid to offend. We should be afraid to, I mean, I don't mean offend concerning the gospel, but we should be afraid to have ill will against our brother or our neighbor or not have forgiveness in our hearts because God is going to pay attention to every little thing that we say and what we do. You know, God really wants us to have pure hearts to serve him. But let's go to Philippians 4, and I want to go to verse 1. If anybody wants to add anything they can but this is going to kind of bring things up on the brighter side. And I think what, what keeps a lot of Christians, too, from doing what the Lord says is their fear to grow up. Like I said, when we talked about Sunday, I, I encourage everyone to look at that video on soundtrumpetministries.com. 
which is talking about, um, you know, fleeing youthful lust. Because, you know, youthful lust are the things that develop, that arrest us in our development that keep us from growth. I fight with it, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of other people fight with it. But, you know, we've got to learn to get, you know, grown in Christ or grow in Christ and really take the battle to the enemy. That's really what a Christian's life, excuse me, his life is. A Christian is birthed on the battlefield. You know, but this false representation of who Christians are today, man, you know, the devil is just sitting back and laughing because, you know, he knows that this does not resemble the ones that trampled him and stepped on his head in the past. This is a new breed. This is a self-loving breed. This is a breed that would appear to look good before God but not want to serve God. That's what we're dealing with right now. And we got to walk this thing out in Christ. So Philippians uh, 4, and let's look at verse 1. We're going to get a solution here, you know, to dealing with this. But if we don't have time, guys, go to Revelation 3 in your spare time. He talked about the church of Sardis was not right before him. And God said if they didn't clean up their act, that he would blot out their names from the book of life. So what does that tell you? That you are not once saved, always saved. If your name was in the book, then it can be blotted out of the book. What we need to do is learn that there's nothing more important than being in this book. And the only way to do that is to know Christ, to live in Christ, and do what Jesus Christ tells us to do. So let's look at uh, Philippians 4. Let's look at verse 1. And it says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech uh, Udeus, and uh, beseech, um, how's that, Sintichi, Sintiki, I guess that's it, Sintiki, <laughs> that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, uh, true yoke of fellow, I mean, yoke fellow, true yoke fellow, uh, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again and again I say rejoice. So you see, Paul is talking about the people that are in the book of life, and what we find about all these people is they are laborers. We also find that they are not just men. There are women here, too, that are laboring in the gospel. But, you know, when Jesus talks about people working in his vineyard, he's talking about those who are adding to the kingdom of God, who are trying to do the will of the Lord, you know, who are out there doing what they need to do. So as you can see, there's no non-laborer that makes it into the kingdom of God. So let's look at verse uh, four, 5, and it says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. So you see, we ought to preach the gospel. Be careful for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, 
whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So you see, if you're going to praise, if there's any truth, these are the things that we got to worry about, not just the appearance of it, but actually being this way before the Lord, you know, and and, uh, there's nothing like a pure heart. And I know God is going to judge it because there's things within me that I'm asking the Lord to change. I notice at times, you know, I can use more patience. But, you know, how would it be for me to be a Christian to say all these things that I'm saying now, acting like I'm a real nice guy, but the moment somebody comes to me to the gospel, I'm ready to go and jump on them and fight. What does that tell you about me? that it's the appearance of righteousness, but it's not the pure heart that God is speaking of. If we can get offended from correction, if we can get offended from what the word says, if we don't like to to serve the Lord and we see that serving God appears to be evil before you, then you need to get your heart checked, okay? Because this ain't just about praise and worship. This is actually feeling what God feels. This is exactly, this is actually, you know, um, yielding to God as, as he were here is the fact that we could, you know, be made over. Now, if I'm doing something wrong or I said something wrong and one of you guys were to say, hey, brother, you know what, I just looked up what you said and that wasn't right, you know, you know and I could say, all right, explain. Now, I know there might be a part of me like, all right, so what are you talking about? Show me. But if you show me where I'm wrong, then it should be in me to say, No, all right, I see what you're saying. I guess I'll know next time. You're going to make mistakes in this. That's how you improve. You know, God has got to take us through. But one thing we should not do when the truth is presented to us is be offended because the truth is Christ. That's what this is about. It's got nothing to do with us. It never did. All right, so he says, um, so this is about having a pure heart. Look at verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So you see how you get God's peace? By being in that inferno. Okay, that's when you find true um, comfort. That's when you find the true presence of God is to go through with him. Verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last now at the last your care of me hath flourished again wherein ye were also careful but ye lacked opportunity not that i speak in respect of want for i have learned in whatsoever state i am therewith to be content now that's something that we've all got to get to that place of contentment and and i can you know give you guys a hint that the world is not going to bring you to that place only thing the world does, and this is why the Bible refers to it as the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, is because these things can't be put out. You get degree to get degree. You know, you do this, you seek money to seek more money. You seek more, um, you know, um, status in this world to have even more power and status. You shop so you can shop again. You know, some people got like 40 pairs of black shoes in their house. You know, and it's like, how many pairs of shoes do you really need to wear? But that's the insatiable appetite of the world. Even when we were in sin, what did we do? We sinned so we could sin again. So we can sin again. You got to keep the the sensation going because it's not sustaining. The only thing that is is Christ. 
So I just don't want people to miss out on this, you know. I mean, I want people to really go after the Lord because the devil has lied to us enough. You guys remember in Revelation 13, what does it talk about there? It says that um, those who will worship the Antichrist are those whose names are not written in the book of the life, slain from the foundation of the world. So you see, those who are believers in Christ are going to have some trouble. But one thing they are not going to do is yield to the Antichrist. They're not going to bow the knee to the enemy. They're going to believe God and go through. And whatever comes their way comes. But in order for this to happen, we've got to get out of ourselves, have less of us in the midst, and more of Jesus. So I want to go to, um, I want to, go to Revelation 21, and I'm going to close from there. We can look at verse 1. Revelation 21 and 1. And I'm done. And if Kansas City is listening, yes, I said it. That's a little inside joke. James always tells me that I um, always will say I'm done, you know, when I'm just about through. So he mocks me on that. I don't know if he's still on or not, but if no one has anything to add, let's look at Revelation 21 and let's look at verse 1. And it says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of the heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. So what are we talking about? you know, a relationship with God that is going to last forever. We're talking about intimacy with God at its finest to where we will be with him. Like every promise God ever made, everything that he said that he would do that believed will be these people in this time that will see the face of God all the time. Man, look at the rewards. Let's look at this. And it says in verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So, again, can we look at ourselves right now as Christians and say, what are we crying for? What are we sorrowful about? My life is good. But you see, this is for the Christian. Because the Christian goes through. The Christian labors for God. The Christian is persecuted. The Christian loves not his life unto death. So I could see God wiping away those tears because that person is pretty much, I'm not going to say lived hell on earth, but, you know, they paid dues. You know, many days they have had to learn to walk alone because nobody wanted them. Their families have left them. Their friends have forsaken them. I mean, you know, the church has even kicked them out because they preach the right gospel. Man, this is, this is what we're talking about, this longing for Christ, this sorrow, this, this travail that we'll go through as believers only to have a day like this. Verse 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. So imagine having God all day long. What you and I have to do for sparks, 
to get excited or to stay in prayer till we feel a little something. He's talking about ever being connected to God, that his life just flows through us freely. Look at verse 7, though. There's a price to pay for this. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. What are we overcoming? What we've always talked about. The world, the flesh, and the devil. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters, which I believe is going to be the biggest thing on this list that people are going to have to get past, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So, you know, that's terrifying to even think about that our hearts have got to be pure beyond this point. Now, is this something you and I can do of ourselves? Absolutely not. We've got to learn to yield to Jesus because he's the only one that can. So let's look at this place. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, full of seven of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will shew thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and shewed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto the stone of precious, I mean, of the stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates, Twelve angels, and the names written were on, I mean, the names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel, and on the east gates and on the north. You know, um, we could just go on and on here, but when you look at the measurements of this place, I mean, this place is beautiful. I mean, this is like a living dream. He says that the gold, look at verse 21, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Uh, every several every several gate was of uh, one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. Now, I can't speak for anyone else, but this is where I'm hoping to be living in the near future. This is where I want to be. I've got to see this, because I can either choose to live here, or I can choose to see it from the lake of fire. Okay, this is something that God is so serious about with his people, and I wish I had more encouraging words of love, but I'm coming to people right now in love. Stop playing games with your salvation and your life. You know, we've got to learn to get it right with Christ, and I'm not trying to push babes to go farther than they need to, and, and if you really are doing what God says and you're growing, then grow, okay? I'm not, I'm not discouraging that. But I'm saying for all those that think that there are things more important than Christ, they're going to really miss out on a great salvation. Look at 22, and I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is um, the light thereof. So as you can see, Jesus is the light of the world, as he proclaimed. He's also the light of heaven. This whole thing is about Jesus. And if we connect with him and if we tie into him, man, we've got it made, literally. Verse 24, and the nations of them which are saved 
shall walk in the light of it. So the nations that are saved will walk in this light, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall no there shall be no night there. So imagine all day and no night. Man, you know, what an awesome thing to even think about. Verse 26, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, and there shall be no wise into into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So we're talking about our greatest dream come true if we give it all to Jesus. And that last thing when it says, um, or maketh a lie, I want to tell you a lie that is going around in churches and in Christian circles that people better be made aware of. When we go as far as to say the Lord told us something, we better make sure that the Lord told us something. Because a lot of us like to act in pride and we like to say, well, God said, you know, or I, I believe, you know, you better be sure you're right. And if you know that you're not, then repent of it. Why? Because that's a lie. You're, you're saying the Lord told you something and he did not tell you. And I believe it's in Deuteronomy 18 how God judges that type of mentality. But that's probably the biggest lie going on in the churches, people telling you they're hearing from the Lord and they're not. You know, so I just felt compelled to tell people that, man, we need to get on track with him because if we've got Christ, we've got everything. We can leave our dying world that never had any go with God, never had any future. He was never for, except from the beginning when he chose it to be his. But outside of that, man, we've got to forsake this dying place, and we've got to pull as many souls as we can off of it because what's going to matter in the end when all of our accomplishments are said and done, when we kiss this earth goodbye, is, is your name written in that book of life? You've even heard stories of their virgins. Some of them started with their name in the book, only to find out they didn't know the Lord. And, you know, if you once knew the Lord and you stray away from him and you seek no relationship with him, and when he tries to come and bring you in and you choose not to, you can go from knowing the Lord to not knowing the Lord. And, and, and that's what the children of Israel didn't understand. They wanted to hang out wherever they were. They didn't understand that the walk with God is continuous until you make it into the promise. But it's all about loving him, knowing him, and, for, and, and let the Lord spare our lives. Let our names be written in that book. Because in the end, that's going to separate the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares, those who were really in this thing the whole time and those who were just faking it, those who chose to obey God when he asked them to and those who chose convenient opportunities for them because they were too busy. So I just want to say to people with that, I love you. Hopefully I didn't rant and rave and I made it difficult to understand, but this is what the Lord put on my heart to talk about, to explain, you know, because there's nothing more important than this. Is your name in that book? So, you know, I'm done. So whoever wants to add anything, they can. Uh, uh, yeah, hey, hey, everybody. How's it going? Um, okay. Hey, James. Have, How's it hey, going? I, I do, it's going all right. I, I have a little bit to say. I, I, I was trying to um, 
comment on those times when when you had it when it was open for people to comment and for when whenever I said anything um you continued and I I thought like something was wrong with my phone but I, I realized I was I wasn't unmuted yet from the um, Oh. <laughs> so I thought something was going on so I I um I I hung up the phone and then I called back in cuz I thought it was the phone problem but it was just that I wasn't unmuted but um what what um came to me in my heart about concerning this study is that I think it's the one word that is very important here and it's intimacy. I think intimacy yes. is is the greatest thing because um we see it throughout the Bible. I mean, we, you can go mm-hmm. from you can go from apostle to apostle to prophet to prophet or prophetess or you can you can go throughout the Bible and see there's intimacy um concerning those that do believe and the same thing with the with the opposite of those that don't believe and those that didn't listen and follow Jesus, but intimacy mm-hmm. is really really important. And um, continuing from there, um, it's the intimacy in the sense of like uh, when you mentioned when it was mentioned in the scripture of Matthew, the the ten versions, five were wise mm-hmm. and five were foolish. Um, mm-hmm. There was an intimacy with those that were wise. They had an intimate intimate relationship with Jesus to see him and to wait for him and to be faithful and to endure and to wait that mm-hmm. that showed that fire that fire in that lamp did not go out so in that they mm-hmm. had that intimate that intimacy with for Christ the Lord um, was true and it, and it endured mm-hmm. it lasted until the very end so that um that came to my heart to talk to talk about um uh, was um in Revelations, where it talks about the churches that that forgot about their first love, it's the same Church thing. Church of Ephesus, with, yeah, yeah, that's right. The same thing with um those those five versions that did that um fell away that their fire the fire in their lamp went out. So this this came in my heart to say to people that God knows what you are capable of doing. God knows what we are capable of doing, and God knows what we are incapable of doing. So don't lie. Just just be honest and give it all to him. Just come to mm-hmm. him. God knows God knows your strength. God knows what you can do. God knows what you can't do. But God Amen. can bring us to do. He can bring us to do the things that we are capable of do. He makes us able. And he can he can make us able to do the things that we are incapable of doing. He tells us that um the things that we see him doing, I mean the things that um we 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 are going to do, God says that we were there will be greater things that we will do, but there are also things that God said that um, the, with with certain things is impossible, but with Christ, all things are possible. All and, things. And, um, all yep. things. So that means, like, even believing in Christ, he can make us able to do the things that are impossible, the things that we know in our lives, in our own strength, and our own capabilities, the things that we can't do. God can bring us to do the things that we are incapable of doing. So... I say that to say that um, in a way of encouragement for people that feel like their faith is not there yet, but God knows it. Just just go to God, just go to Jesus honestly, and don't lie. It's like a child that says, I made a mistake. You know, it's just like what was said that um, there are those that start out with believing in Christ and then they fall away. We've seen that throughout the, the scriptures when Christ says to the disciples, will you leave me too? Because there were people that left, but... At the same time, there are some people that um, that did know God that fell away and then came back. There are those that didn't know God and then turned to Christ. So it's God. 
it's nothing is impossible with Christ. Don't I, for all those that are hearing and listening, don't be discouraged and think that it's too late for you. It's not. It's not too late. Every That's breath true. that you breathe, every breath that is breathed from you, um, is is a time period that you can use to get close to Jesus, that he comes through you and refurbish your heart and your mind, that he redecorate you and put on you new garments. So when, when you when you come out and you can see that, start producing more fruit. So that, that was one thing to say. And um, uh, it was to also talk about um, uh, the unsaved, like what you mentioned about the unsaved don't feel anything concerning Jesus. Uh, what, what came to my heart, Concerning that is that is very true, and the scripture talks about that. It's like um, taking a cigarette and putting it on your arm constantly. You eventually will get used to that pain, or you'll eventually burn out your nerves. So the scripture talks about those that do wrong and they know that they're not supposed to be doing it. It's like taking an iron and putting it to your conscience, and you're searing it until you mm-hmm. become numb to it. So. When you become numb to it, and when Jesus keeps telling you, or when people keep telling you, turn to Jesus, you might say, who is Jesus? We don't know him. That's because the things that you have been doing, you constantly keep um, rejecting Christ. And we, we mm-hmm. and that's, a, that's a, a scary thing to do. So just a, just a thing of encouragement for all those that are listening. Just turn to him and open your heart. Amen. You know, he, he can clean you. He can. You know, just, just come to him honestly. And don't hold back. Come, come to him honestly and truthfully. Amen. That's right. Amen. And I want to mm-hmm. real quick piggyback off of what uh, James just said about uh, intimacy. Um, is that we know that when a couple is married, when they're intimate, they bear children. Well, in the same sense, when we're intimate with Jesus Christ, we also bear fruit. And we uh, will want to make disciples for Jesus Christ. And That's so right. it's that it's that same is a great point, James, because it's the same intimacy that you know when we share in, in any kind of loving relationship. It's like okay, eventually you're gonna bear children. So it's like you know it's like the Lord shows how He wants us to bear fruit even in life when you're mm-hmm. married to somebody. Amen. You know, and, and so the other thing like, is too. Good, sorry. No, no, you're fine. Go ahead. That's pretty no, much No, I thought I you were going to make a point, but no, I was just going to say, too, that intimacy will eventually give way to availability. You know, mm-hmm. that's the other thing that will that will happen because a lot of the times, you know, we enjoy our intimacy with the Lord, but I don't think that we can become intimate with Christ and not eventually come out more like him. I think that's True. impossible. You know, I just think that whomever, when it says when the two join together, they become one flesh. So mm-hmm. if you spend enough time with Jesus, you're going to pick up much of his ways. There's yes. no way that we can spend that kind of time with the Lord and then still turn out to be like we are. You know, right. there's there's something different there that, that God, you know, will work out with us. And I think sometimes we can just attempt to be so intimate with him, you know, we enjoy what um, we can get from him, but we won't give him what he needs. And that's kind of like using Jesus. But we mm-hmm. find that in a lot of ways, you know. We like to pray before him and give him time and sing songs to ourselves and all of that. 
You know, but in the end, do we hear him telling us, I want you to get that woman or that man? Yep. I actually uh, watched the clip of this. Uh, it's a clip that I sent you, Derek, the woman that was demon-possessed from Africa. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Tell that story, yeah. She, the, the, the demon that was in this woman was talking, she, they, they, the demon said ther- several things about uh, holding Africa, but it also said, the guy asked the woman, well, how, or the demon, how do you distract Christians from praying or from uh, reading their word and stuff like that? And the demon says, well, someone who would normally pray for six hours, we distract them. We tell them, you need to go to the store. You need to do this. You need to clean. So that way, when they would normally pray for that long, now they only pray for 30 minutes. So it's like the demons tell people, uh, you know, we may think, and like we've talked before, you go to read your scriptures, you go to read your Bible, and what happens? All of a sudden, you get tired. All of a sudden, people start calling you. All of a sudden, uh, you know, things start happening. You have different mindsets. Like, you know, I haven't cleaned my closet out in so long. Maybe I should do that. That's demons trying to keep us from getting closer to God and spending time with him. Those are demons. And this was a demon in this woman before she got delivered. This was a demon in this woman saying, we'll do that. We'll even send people who say they are Christians and who are not to distract other people and to get them away from their faith, to get them away from spending time with the Lord. So it's like we ought to recognize not everyone who says they're a Christian is actually a Christian. You know, we should be able to be so, like you're saying tonight, if we have such an intimacy with Jesus Christ, we should be able to tell who is a real and who's faking it. That's the kind of relationship I want to, with the Lord. So that way I can detect the fake and the real all the time. You know, right. I mean, that's how intimate with, the, with Jesus Christ we should be. I yeah. agree. I was going to say, too, yeah. that um, for, the, for, the people that are, for the people that are listening, um, just what uh, she, Sarah was just saying, uh, so that you know, no one is confused. Because I know some people might say, "Well, what's wrong with cleaning, or what's wrong with this?" You know, I thought the scripture says that cleanliness is, you know, is God likes clean cleanness. But yes, that is true, and God does, um, you know, cleanliness like like for us to be clean and do those things. But mm-hmm. it's what she, what Sarah is saying is that it's. It's something that when you are getting close to God and when you're doing when you're about Christ's business and when you're seeking Christ and your whole heart is to them, all of a sudden these things come randomly out of nowhere where you're uh, mm-hmm. tempted, where you're provoked to fall away from Christ. Things yep. that try you where you where it's, where it stops you from getting closer to Jesus. Whether it's talking to people about Christ, where they um, be saved, where they be uplifted. And they, um, you know, where we uplift each other. Somebody might say, "Hey, um, you, you ugly," and then all of a sudden, you, you um, feel bad in your heart when usually you you will uplift your brother or sister or people. So, what she is saying is, um, you know, the things that when when you get busy, just basically watch, continue to watch, fight, and pray, because things are constantly going to come and objecting to the people that, that believe in, in the, the Son of the living God. And Sarah, yep. didn't you also say that um, that the demons were telling uh, the people that there are people that are walking around that are not Christians, that they only mean to just take you away from 
you know, they, they distract the real Christians. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's kind of like you could have someone even preaching real gospel and demons will be present to try and hinder that prayer, you know, or yeah. hinder that, that whatever is going on. Demons are only going to attack the real thing. Other than that, they yeah. they love their doctrine and will go forward with it. I mean, so every, what everything everyone said is true. Go ahead. Sorry, Sarah. No, that's fine. And I wanted to say this because, you know, I know that there are people, and I'm not against people going on and doing mission trips and stuff like that. My nephew AJ is going, you know, at the end of the next week uh, to the Amazon. But the demon also said that they possess Africa, and they don't want anyone going to Africa to preach the gospel. And they're trying to do everything that they can in their power to stop people from going to Africa and praying for the continent of Africa that they, because you know that place is filled with witchcraft, and so that ain't the only place. There's a lot of well, others yeah, too. Exactly. But, uh, exactly. But that's how we have to understand the demons that are over America, the demons that are over Africa and and South America. There are real demonic forces over these countries that don't want the gospel. That's why America now, if you look at it, eventually. It's getting closer and closer to the time we will be, we already are the minority, but it's getting to that time because we're seeing in California, soon it's going to be in Oregon, it's getting ready to be illegal to be a Christian on the West Coast. That's going to trickle over to the East Coast eventually. You know, so I mean, it's just things that we got to understand that it's like, hey, like you're saying tonight, we really got to wake up. We got to wake up to know that the time that the Lord's given to us, I agree that I think the Lord wants to bless us. Hey, if you have a wife and you have a children, that's great. Don't place it before Jesus Christ. Let him give us someone who can uh, benefit our walk in Jesus Christ, not take away from it, not become an idol. You know, in this walk, because that person's got to be ready for the spiritual warfare just like we are. They got to understand the times that we're living in just like we do. So it's just, but it's always having our mind focused and realizing the times that we are living in. We can never, ever stop thinking about that. And that's why some people that are brought into our life can be a distraction instead of a help. It's more of a hindrance, you know. But mm-hmm. we have to have that mindset that we are living in the last days, and whoever we surround ourselves with should have that mindset too, so that way we're not taken away from it, you know. That's right, because we got to be obedient even to the place of, even if someone is a Christian, that don't mean that they're your wife or husband. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? It's up to the Lord. Yep. But just because somebody is a believer, that might be great. But the Lord may have something else in store for everybody. So there's always exactly. something that God may choose for us. But we've got to be obedient in all things concerning him. Amen. Amen. My brother Mike, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I'm just enjoying the conversation, and uh, oh. <laughs> I know you know the, the, the phrase. Just to let everyone know: uh, cleanliness next to godliness. It's is from <laughs> Benjamin Franklin. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's not actually uh, the Bible verse. It, it, the Bible, yeah. yeah. It's not, uh, and uh, well, I don't know if it's from Benjamin Franklin. I think it first was stated by, of all people, John Wesley in the sermon. Really. And, yeah, uh-huh. this is uh, 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 the phrase first recorded in a sermon by John Wesley in 1778. But indeed, wow. oh, wow. it's ancient and found in Babylonian Hebrew tracks. So, anyways, 
just something to let people know about that. But not to say that it's not, the concept is not necessarily in the Bible. Right. It certainly is in the Bible. So if you can look at uh, the different oh, verses, like Leviticus 17, 15, and 16, and King James, um, Second Kings, five ten, and Joe. My point in all that, I'm not trying to be picky or petty. I just, uh, I know someone's going to bring it up. Someone will bring it up. I'm guarantee that. And so I'm just letting them know. We know. (laughs) We know. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, (laughs) yeah, it's it's good that you pointed that out because I know a lot of people they hear they hear a lot of phrases, and they think because it has God in it that it has to come from the Bible, but no, that that verse is not actually in the Bible. Although God does talk, and God Jesus does tell us that um, we ought to be clean, um, the inside mm-hmm. we clean mm-hmm. clean our hearts. So yeah, that it, it's good that you mentioned that because a lot of people might just take that and run with it and just not not search it out for themselves. You know, I was just actually I must have been thinking of another. Um, I was thinking of another one. This one says God helps those who help themselves. That's from Benjamin Franklin, when really there's no scripture in the Bible for that either. Yeah. Yeah, I was just looking um, that up, yeah. Uh, Jake well, wanted I, to say something, but he his line, I don't know if his line is muted on his end or if it's muted on your end. Can we see if Jake can chime in real quick? Oh, did he fall off again? No, okay, he's there. Jake. No, he must have fallen off and then came back. That's uh, why he's okay. muted. It's dropped off. There you go, Jake. Jake just dropped. Hello. Yeah, yeah. You must have dropped off again, huh? Yeah, it's dropped three times so far. Okay, sorry about that. I wasn't paying attention. No worries. Um, Is everybody still adding stuff? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, Are we cramped on time at all? No. Okay. No, um, uh, I took it, it, I took a nap. I took a nap today, so uh-huh. I stay up late. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so if it's all right, I'd like to read a scripture real quick. Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, Sarah already knows where I'm going with it, and Derek will too. But um, when Derek was talking earlier about the uh, video about 23 minutes in hell, um, the Spirit mm-hmm. put this on me, and it's Luke 16 and 19. And it's the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. Mm-hmm. And it goes, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked its sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Now, here's what brought it all to my attention. When Derek was talking about how uh, in the guy's dream on that video, he was seeing demons like uh, poke people's eyes out and tear limbs off. So mm-hmm. this uh, particular verse kind of, uh, well, not kind of, it, it definitely links up with that. So 23, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So that torments is probably exactly what that guy was seeing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, verse 24, and I'm almost done, guys, sorry. 
Uh, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember thou in thy lifetime you received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this between us, you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence you cannot either can they pass to us. That would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they say, lest they also come into the place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham said to them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. That's right. You know, because it's really a conscious decision. Sorry, Derek. No, go ahead. One thing I picked up on there before that I've never picked up, he had five brethren, and you read about the ten virgins tonight, five wise and five foolish. Uh, Good grace. Good point. (laughs) I never, right. I never, I never thought about that until tonight. No, me neither. <laughs> good, good, good reading, Jake. That was awesome. Thanks. Oh yeah. Well, that, that's no. all I had, guys. Well, Derek, tell us more oh. about this number five and how it represents grace. Well, five is a number for grace because even when Jesus confronted the person that wasn't well. Um, the guy who couldn't get into the pool of, I think it's Shiloh or something like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, they said an angel would come in every year. I think that's in John 5, if I'm not mistaken. Or it might be in another place. But he talked about how um, the first five words Jesus said to him was, "Wilt thou be made whole? And then he finished it with seven, you know, which is kind of a completion in the spirit. But even when if you look at Goliath himself, as a type of antichrist and a type of old man that the Bible is telling us to forsake, or Goliath can even be seen as the law. And there's many verses that can kind of go against that. But he went against David, who somehow picked up five smooth stones, and, you know, he went and slayed the beast. Where? Right in his head. Right in the forehead, the changing of the mind. If you look at um, even the, the six covenants, Okay, you had um, the the Adamic covenant, the Noahic, the Abrahamic, um, the Mosaic, and then you got the Davidic, and then after that comes Christ. Okay, so five in many ways in the Bible is a type of grace before the coming. I mean, there's there's countless examples. I, I can't even think of them all right now. But um, five loaves yeah, and two fishes. Five loaves and and two fishes. You know, and, and then you had the, um, that's true, you know, like the bread was five, the loaves were two, and then you look at the fact that there were 12 baskets full, which was a type of government, you know, mm-hmm. that like he chose 12 disciples, 12 months in a year, you know, 12 parts day, 12 parts night, you know, 1,440 minutes in a day. I mean, you know, so it's just one of those things that I'll have to get more info on it, but I think you can even pull that up, that the number five, 
is a number for grace. You know, it symbolizes grace. There's a lot of examples. Even uh, Enoch, who was the the um, you know, in the in the uh, chapter, and I think it's the fifth chapter of Genesis, where they talk about that the Lord even took him. You know, and it talks about who preceded who, but the number five just kept showing up. Seth was 905. Someone else was something in five. And you just kept seeing the fives go through Genesis 5, you know, but it was kind of like a type of grace. But like I said, there's a lot of examples. I could pull them up if you want or just save them for another time or send them to you privately. But, you know, the number five is definitely a number for grace. Okay, mm-hmm. but no, you 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 don't you don't have to you know do that. So oh no, but I know. Uh, I just wish that I had more examples I could remember. That's just interesting. Just side note. So um, definitely, that's one thing we all need is a whole bunch of grace. <laughs> Gosh, and this oh, one is a whole bunch of grace. So you know, just to be reminded over and over again that that's what it's all about. So as far as uh. What we need is in our Lord. So, and I don't uh, want to come at people hard tonight. You know, for me, it was just a thing of waking people up. Like, guys, there is nothing that you can possibly imagine on this earth more important than your name written in that book. Amen. And you know, the devil, the devil. Like I said, we got a teaching coming up called the Happy Medium, because that that's the place that the devil likes to play. That's his playground. I can't stop you from believing, but I can hinder you from going into the promised land. That's oh, what yeah. he's doing. And he's doing it with remarkable success because a lot of people, a lot of us feel we know the Lord, but we have no desire to advance any further with Christ, which makes it okay with the devil. Hmm. That's yep. interesting. Yeah. That when you said you're talking about media, you're talking about like mainstream media, television, internet, that kind of thing, uh, movies. Is that what you were talking oh, about? No, the medium, medium, like the, like the happy medium, like not too oh, big, not too small, yeah. but just right in the middle. You know, that's oh, what um, they're talking that I'm talking about. That medium, you know, like man, like, I can't. Lukewarm. Yeah, lukewarm. <laughs> great point, James. You know, it's Don't like that. Like as long as you can feel a little bit of warmth, you think you're in. When the Lord is 50 miles ahead of you and been calling you for the last 10 years to walk with him, you know? And that's yep. why we can miss out on our first love because God tries to move us from faith to faith, glory to glory. But what do we like to do? Find common ground where God and the world come together in love, and they will never come together in love. You're either going to serve one or the other. Amen. The ecumenical movement is what you're talking about in particular, and that. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's it's greater than that. It really comes down to it's so profound. I mean, I say this a lot, but the, every day it's just more and more strengthened in my walk. Is that there's only two camps: you're either in the Lord's camp or you're in the devil's camp, and there's no yeah. happy medium. Period. And when you're in the middle. You're middle middle of a war. And the Holy Spirit's gonna, you know, if you're one of His, you know, if you're one of the Lord's, He's, it's gonna, it's not gonna give you any peace. It doesn't. You're not here to have any peace. You're here to serve your Lord and Savior, uh, your God. You're not here to have a good time. 
That's the, that's a bummer. No. That's one of the bummer. I mean, the, the real uh, hard lessons for uh, God's people to learn is that you're not here to have a good time. You're here to serve God, and that's a really mm-hmm. tough one to learn. It's and it's a lot of people when you hear that that that's, scares them away. I understand, uh, mm-hmm. but it won't matter anyways if it scares you away or not because if you're one of His. He's going to keep on making your life miserable until you do what he wants you to do. So it don't really matter. It's, 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 no, it's true. It's so, you know, there's a lot of people out there that their lives are in shambles because they actually are one of God's children and they are not walking the right path. They uh, need to abandon the world and they need to follow Christ and I am a living example of that. So God had to strike me down with MS. He had to pretty much cause me to lose everything in this world that I cherished. And then he had to rebuild me and um, to get me to this point where I'm at. And there's nothing I can take as far as any kind of credit for anything or even the reason why we are speaking tonight. It's all him. It's all him. And uh, that's just a brutal Amen. reality. So, you know, I, I, we want to fight them and fight them and fight because we don't, we're, you know, part of it is the love of the world. Mm-hmm. And part of it is it, the devil has done a masterful job of confusing the whole world of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. That's right. You know, so very few people who claim to be Christians even know what that means. In their eyes, it means going to church on Sunday, saying some prayers, maybe uh, doing a, some community work once in a while, maybe going on a mission overseas, and it's so far from that. That's just it, people just being completely, unfortunately, ensnared in this mystery Babylon. And so, yep. you know, it's hard. It's hard. It's it's so everything is so. It's all such a spiritual war, and it's you know like it's it's the more you do this, the more you you have more and more empathy for people around you because you realize it's, it's only by the mercy and grace of God go I, and the reason why I even believe in them. That's true. And one of the things that I'm trying to really shout out as much as I can to people is. When the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 how the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, he didn't just come with lies. He didn't just come with, you know, things that were obvious, man. This guy was slick. He was soft. He worked his way in through her emotions. And that's what we got to understand about the enemy. Everything, almost every attack, unless the devil just outright just wants to decapitate you, is going to be subtle. It's going to be so soft and sensual a move that if you're not conscious, you're not going to pay attention to what's happening. It's going to seem so important to you, and and nothing could be further from the truth. That's right. A perfect example for me in my life would be uh, my cherished son that uh, I love so much. and It's just like, you know, um, I've I've seen it in this past week. You know, I spent an awful lot of time with, you know, making up for the past couple months because I haven't really spent any time with him because of the issues I have going on with uh, me and his mother. But anyways, 
And, you know, I so busy being a quote unquote dad and having fun with my son that I forgot about God really. I mean, I did the, <laughs> the, the half, the half hearted, uh, uh, prayer in the morning and the evening type of thing. And I did read the Bible once or twice and do some recordings, but you know, the truth is as time went on, whew, I mean, I, it was really a fascinating experience for me. And it really proved something about, uh, about me, uh, um, and my relationship with the Lord. As time went on, you know, I was I, I was okay with it in the beginning, but as time went on, it started wearing me down because not spending time with the Lord. And now that kind of edifies me, strengthens me to have to carry on from the day. Uh, and I think it really, and then talk about the spiritual warfare and how it affects us in so many different ways than we even can fully comprehend. And um, how important is to be praying, you know, unceasingly, and to be in the Word, to renew your mind, and these are things that you hear about all the time from other people and pastors, and everyone says that, but you know what? It's so true, and it's not about being religious, it's about just edifying your spirit and staying connected some way, somehow, with the Lord and His Spirit, because this world, it's all, it's Everything is designed, everything, outside of the Word. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about, which I forgot, and that is how the world is, uh, and the devil, you know, Satan's kingdom, is uh, pushed so hard to minimize, to uh, make it almost, reading the Bible is something that is insignificant, it's not really that important, uh, you know, that it's fables, it's, you know, uh, theological, this, that, and the other, but it's you know what it's it is part of the the living waters of, of the Lord, and if you don't do it, man, it will just you will be destroyed by the world. The world is totally designed to destroy you. Doesn't matter what it is, it could be your children, you find someone in your life, a significant other, a new job. Uh, it, uh, movies, uh, you know, the internet is a perfect example of that you spend all this time in the truth or movement, learning about how everything. But if you never come to the final truth, which is Jesus Christ, it's just you know what, all that's designed to do is just to indoctrinate you into the further into mystery Babylon. That's where part of the secret societies to understand what it is. But what good is it to understand? how this demonic, satanic world works if you never come to the solution, the answer, which is Jesus Christ. That part of the problem is, too, is if you go down that road of truth, real truth, and follow Jesus, and I know this from my own personal experience in the Internet world and the truth movement, that you will not have a great following. I could do what everyone else does and have, you know, you know, I don't know, 50,000 subs, but why? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's, it's like the world is, the world's all, like you said earlier, it's all about your you and uh, self-worship um, and uh, to make you a name for yourself in this world. And you know what? 
it's all vanity. I mean, everybody, think about it. All the people that made a name for themselves, okay, and they died, it doesn't matter anymore. The best they're ever going to get is a paragraph or two in an encyclopedia. That's what you're going to get. That's the best you're going to get in this world. That's right. That's right. I think, you know, but, bro, we can tell the whole world this, but you see, nobody's going to see this until it's taken away. I mean, and that that's the infection that the world puts inside of the core of God's temple. It's like nobody's going to believe. Just everything you just said was so true that there is nothing here. Nothing. I think part of, of the issue with us is the pride of life. It's the pride of life because if we were to just jump outside of this system and just do what God says, we're probably going to be looked at as, maybe somebody homeless or crazy or, you know, not this or that. But, you know, to truly escape this is what God is looking for. Exactly. But if we say this to people whose minds and hearts are engaged in this, they just won't get it. They're going to have to get spat in the face. They're going to have to get slapped to the ground. They're going to have to be trampled time and time and time and time again until they wake up and say, you know what? This world is not for me. Because other than that, people are always going to find supportive arguments for the world. So what are they going to have to do? The same wise thing that God does, he leaves them to it. Okay, you love the world, go ahead. Then when the devil gets finished, you know, beating you down, then you can come back over here. But it's the pride of life. Most people know this world is wicked. But if I forsake it, then what will that make me? That's the problem. That's right. They, they, you know, it's, they, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be homeless. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, how am I going to feed my family? You know, it, it, you know, it's all part of this. Uh, it's a fascinating journey. I mean, God has allowed this whole thing to be. I mean, we, are, we all are raised into this mystery Babylon, all of us. It doesn't matter even if you went to church all the time, you know. You had Bible-believing parents. You know what? You still have to go through your prodigal son moments and your Peter moments. And and all these things you have to do, you have to go through it all in order to grow, to understand Mm -hmm. even what Christ Christ has done for us. So I think sometimes some of the best things that we as brothers and sisters in Christ to do, if not the best thing to do, is what we're doing right now is fellowshipping together and being honest about our walks with the Lord. Yes. Yes. You do not see the vast majority of stuff on the Internet nah, is that you don't hear it, you don't see it. What you hear, it's polished sermons, mm-hmm. and it's not enough. It really isn't. It might be good in the beginning stages of your walk with the Lord in order to understand a little bit about it. But most of it's useless if you're really honest about it. I mean, what you do, brother, I appreciate is because you actually read out of the Word of God. Most of your teaching comes out of the Word of God, and it's not... It's the complete opposite of what usually what happens, which is, okay, they'll do a whole sermon around one verse. They'll spend an mm-hmm. hour and a half and it's just about their philosophies, understanding mm-hmm. that verse instead of put, 
reading it all in its context, because when you really do that, hey, the story changes, doesn't it? <laughs> it changes big time. It's also, it's also <laughs> baiting people, because it's like, and Derek, I think you said this before, too, it's if you give them a little bit, then they'll come back. So it's like baiting people as well. Like, we're just going to throw out one scripture, and if you want to hear, like Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story, you got to come back next Sunday. And so in some degree, they're also baiting people that they will stay in their churches so they can get, you know, more money out of them and stuff like that instead of giving them the whole gospel. That's why people, that's why we have to know this word for ourselves. So you know, it's like, man, if you're only giving me one scripture, no, 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 no. Jesus Christ wants to give me so much more than what you can give me. So I'm going to go where I can actually be fed, you know. All right. Mm. It's exactly. true. I mean, it's, it's all designed to be a snare. That's all it is. It truly is. It's it's the more you progress and grow with the Lord, the more you realize that organized religion is designed to be a snare to keep you from having a personal relationship with Jesus. Because if you do have one, guess what happens? Mm-hmm. You walk your own walk with him and you really don't need their church or their no. Sunday service. Now, and, 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 and I mean, I'm not, I don't, how do you say this, Derek, without, because I know there's times when it's really important, and it is important to get together and fellowship one way or the other. And if you're fortunate enough in your area to find a dozen people that really want to get together and talk about the Lord and learn about it, oh, praise the Lord. But, a lot, you know, a lot of times that's not going to, you know, for many of us, it's not going to happen. It's not, it hasn't no. happened to me. You know, as far no, as physical, absolutely right. Physical. I think part of it, part of it has to do with too that, you know, like Pastor Price has mentioned before, that a lot of people will run right past Jesus, right into religion, and I think a lot of people remain there. But you know, God only means to filter us through that. And one thing He mentioned was that church is for kind of like babies. You know, church is kind of for, you know, beginners to get your life together. I'm not saying fellowship and praise are not necessary, but it's kind of like that for, and the Bible even says that in in many ways, that it's kind of like for babies. Not that there shouldn't be some order for growth, but if you read Ephesians 4 and 11, it says he gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Why? To perfect the saints. He didn't say to sit there forever. To perfect the saints, to do the work of the ministry, to edify the body of Christ until we what? He said, be no longer blown around to and fro by every wind of doctrine, you know, by the slate of men and cunning craftiness, you know, where they lie in wait to deceive. But he also mentions that they all have to reach the fullness of the stature of Christ. And that's what we're going for, Christ in you. But babes in Christ... You know, they do need church. They need little places like that to grow and get themselves together. But I think part of it is, you know, if you're not really ready to do the work of the ministry, you're going to find yourself just camping out. We did a teaching a couple of years ago. You might have heard it before, maybe, but it's called spectators and participators. Okay, two different kinds of people entirely. A spectator will always inspect your fruit and see what you're about but a participant is someone that will be involved in it 
that don't have time to worry about what you're doing. So the participant that who is actually in the battle will see things a lot different than the spectator who wants to sit around and see where the where the um, participant is wrong. But once you get into the ministry and you mature yourself, you'll recognize you need more of Christ as a participant than you do as a spectator. Yep. Amen. Amen. And uh, yeah, what? This is what that's what it's all about, anyways, right? That's what it's supposed to be about. Hope you know. I think what has happened is that with this uh, paganizing and Romanizing the church, the unholy marriage between state and religion is that, um, and it's been designed to keep you still uh, immature, uh, an immature Christian. Because really, what it should be about is designing you to to get to a point where you can get out there to the world and share the truth and the gospel and not be dependent on another man, but dependent on Christ. And Amen. of course, that comes back to what Sarah has to say is about money, which she said, you know, which is, I really believe all these sermons, really, when you look at it, that's what it's about. It's about keeping, uh, their way of being fishers of men is not what Christ intended. Okay. And Christ no, right. is about, Freeing us, right, from the bondages of this uh, uh, of this world, um, and mm-hmm. it's, it's not it's not doing that. So it's it's a shame, and it's what it is. But praise the Lord that He's given us. Although you know the internet is designed by the evil evil one and the prince of the air to actually as a way of, for most people, it's going to be sorcery and deception and witchcraft for them. But for the praise the Lord, you know, we got together here, a handful of us, and, you know, I'm on the other side of the country. You guys are over there in Portland. And um, and you know what? Learning, praising the Lord, uh, thinking about what really is being said in the Word of God. And we're, I'm, I feel really blessed. And I just want to say thank you very much for being part of that because... Um, one of the things I yearned, just desperately yearned it, and it's like, once again, I was, you know, in that company of these folks who call themselves Christians this weekend, and, and they come from a very apostate branch of Christendom, uh, and nobody wanted to talk about God. And, and when I was talking about God, I got this uh, instinctive uh, impression that they were annoyed, almost like I was, maybe they felt that maybe I was being arrogant. And maybe there's a problem with me, and maybe that's, but, you know, I just like talking about it, and then, you know, you get to a certain point in your knowledge and understanding of the Word and what the Gospel really is about, and you want to talk with other people about it and how cool it is and how awesome it is to, and what God's done, and, and, uh, you know, what we're all dealing with in spiritual warfare and all that, and people just, like, sit down. Mm-hmm. People call themselves Christians. They just don't want to hear it, and it's just like... And you just stay... Then you end up... You just... A good adults just sitting around saying nothing. Mm-hmm. Not even talking to each other. It's almost... <laughs> I don't know, brothers. Brothers, no, I get it. I get it. It's just that Jesus is not that real to some people. You know, it's just really not that. Like I said, a Christian has got to come to it in their hearts. 
where they truly understand that, you know, this this place is, is pure evil. No right. one is at that place yet. I mean, a lot of people are not, but they've got to see it all along. And unfortunately, it's going to take concentration camps. It's going to take looking for food. It's going to take hiding out from, so, from foreign soldiers in order for people to really understand it was never for you. And that's why when people start arguing me about their life as opposed to the gospel, man, you know, I don't have a lot of tolerance for that because it's like, you know, they, they still don't get it. Yeah. Well, keep on trying. We'll keep on trying. Let's, let's, let's close out in prayer. I'll start, and anybody else wants to join in. After Derek, you're more than welcome to contribute to praising and praying to our Lord. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray to you in the name of our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ. And God, I just want to say thank you for this wonderful evening. Um, thank you for this uh, day that I've had an opportunity to fellowship a couple times now, and uh, it's a special day because um, it doesn't happen that often. So, God, I appreciate that. And Almighty God, I just uh, I beg of you to be merciful to us. Help us, God, to be pleasing to you, to serve you, to serve our Lord to be right with you, to be in the book of life. Yes, Lord. Uh, and, ha- and help others, and help us to be useful tools for you, servants for you to help others to get to that point. And um, help us to always realize that it's you, and it's not us. And that it's, anything good in our life is because of you, Lord God. That's it. You know, yes, that, that you give us peace, you give us the comfort, you give us the hope. You give us direction. You give us real meaning in this madhouse. And I just want to say thank you, God. And uh, thank you, Lord. Just thank you, my Lord and my God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, I want to uh, say tonight, Lord, for one, thanking you to get through this. I pray, Lord, that people understand what was said tonight. And I also pray that if there's anything that I said that is against you and not of your spirit, Lord, then I repent and I ask to be shown of it. But, Lord, there's just such a sense of urgency because of where we are. The fact that it is late in the game, Lord, that I just want people to understand that there is no life outside of the life of Jesus Christ. So I just pray in this time that these messages be anointed, Lord, not for our glory, but for yours. May people have a real understanding that you are good, and to miss out on you would be foolish. It would be so foolish that your love and your mercy are there for us to help us through, Lord. So we just pray for more patience. We pray for more understanding. We pray for more of your love and your mercy and grace, and spare us your judgment, Lord. But, Lord, let your will be done in us. And, Lord, I just pray that when all is said and done in all of our lives, to anyone listening and anyone a part of the ministry or without, with my brother Mike and whomever, Lord, if you could make a way that we will all make it unto the end, that we will see your face and be with you through eternity, then I pray in Jesus' name, by any means necessary, make it so. 
because that is all that it's worth, no matter what we do, no matter what we have to go through. I pray, Lord, that as you pray for Peter, that his faith fail not, that you pray for us the same way that we may make it in, no matter what we have to go through, and that truly will make the journey all worthwhile. Oh, thank you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, Holy God, who is good and true and worthy of all praises. Do it, Lord, for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father. No, go ahead. Sorry. Heavenly Father, I come to you as well this evening in Jesus' name. And, Lord God, I just want to thank you for this day that you've given to us. And, Lord, I just want to thank you for the fellowship tonight and the message that was brought forward and that we really take it to heart, everything that was said tonight, Lord, because it all came from your word. And we have to understand, Lord Jesus, the times that we are living in, that however evil this present-day life is, tear the veil off of our eyes, Lord God, that we will see truth in everything that is around us, that we will see that this is Satan's realm, that this is his kingdom, Lord Jesus, and not too long from now it is all going to be destroyed. So, Lord God, I pray that our focus solely stands on you, that we will have a greater relationship with you and everything that we do, Lord God, that we not lose sight of being sanctified, Lord Jesus, because that is the place that you want us to get to. And Satan does not want us being there. Satan is going to put every distraction in our life to keep us from being sanctified and filled with your Holy Ghost so that we may go out and do your mighty works. That is the whole focus, Lord. So I'm praying, Lord God, that you fill us with your Holy Ghost. I'm praying, Lord Jesus Christ, that you will put a fresh anointing upon our lives. And those that claim to know you, Lord Jesus, I pray that you do what it takes, that we will do what it takes, Lord God, to follow after you, even if it means spanking our backsides, Lord. That means that you still love us if we are still being chastised by you, Lord Jesus Christ. But we can't stay in that, uh, that realm forever. We have got to move forward in you, Lord Jesus Christ. I know this in my own personal life. We could never have too much of Jesus Christ, and we could never be too filled with your Holy Ghost. So thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done. Lord God Almighty, bless our brothers and that are really out there in the fight today and in, in other areas of this world, Lord, prayer walking, whatever it is, in this own country, Lord Jesus Christ. Bless their ministries, Lord. Bless their lives. And I thank you for uh, the ability of Michael Adams to put these uh, recordings up, Lord Jesus Christ. Bless him and everything that he's doing in our ministry, yes, Lord God, Lord. everything that we're wanting to do, Lord God. Let there be an outpouring so we can go out and do your will in all things, recognizing that when you work in our lives, Lord, we have got to move and not stand still. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done. Lord God thank Almighty, you, continue to strengthen and build up our armor. As we press yes, forward Lord. into the spiritual warfare, that burn and purge off the world and the lust thereof, that when we come to yes, the other Lord. side, we reflect only you. In Jesus yes. Christ, your most holy name I pray. Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Gracious God, Holy Heavenly Father, O living God, we pray and bow our heads before thee, O gracious God, in humbleness. And, and thank you for this day of grace. Thank you for this time of, of this time that you have given us. And we pray that um, we do not take it for granted. Thank you, yes, gracious God, for showing us your mercy and showing patience towards us. And we pray that um, we pray to the people that who are listening and those that believe on thy name and those that are following after you in the spirit and not the flesh. And we 
we pray for their strength and we pray for their comfort, that they continue and that they fight the good fight and that they endure. We pray for those who are listening who um who may not know you, who who may be unbelievers. We pray that, that they do um be woken up from from such a place where they are and that they see you and that they come to you. We pray that those who feel discouraged, that they be encouraged to stay this day, that they be uplifted in their spirit and that they come to you, O oh, gracious God. And we pray that um we keep to you in all things and acknowledge you in all things and we keep you as our head. For you are the King of Kings and you are the Lord of Lords. You are faithful, but man is a liar. And we pray to keep our hearts and our eyes towards you and on you. We pray for those who are struggling, that they have strength. And we pray for those who are uh, going through pain and sorrow, that they have comfort. And that the the strength and and the strength and the comfort that we ask and pray for that goes to them. We pray that it does not be used to put their foot on the on the necks of other people just because they have grace and and that they might feel good in, in the peace of God. We pray that no such things be done of us, but rather we use that strength to continue to praise you and to love our neighbor, as it is written in the royal law. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah to thy most holy name in Jesus, yes, the name Lord. that is most holy and above all, Yeshua Messiah. Amen. 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 Oh, man. It was a great talk tonight, guys. I love you all. You know, and, uh, very you know, positive, very, very a wonderful blessing. Thank you, folks. And uh, all those who contributed, those that stuck around, and those that are commented, and uh, um, guest three said thanks for the for the message and giving us the meat. So that's cool. And uh, guess. Four, now five. Uh, well, I guess we're done. So, come back next 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 Thursday. So, let's see uh, if I can let's see if I can actually end the recording. That would be really cool. Remember last time and the time before that? No, oh, yeah, we just had to hang up. <laughs> With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 